<laughs> Today is October 15th, 2022, and on the Teensy Leader podcast, we have Abby Rosen. Hello. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Hi. Thank Hi. you. Thank you for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so me and Abby work at Take Two together, which is a local film acting studio, I guess is the, the technical terms. Um, I teach an acting class there. Abby teaches mm-hmm. uh, singing there. Yes. And that's it, right? Just singing? Yeah, just at, at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I teach, yeah, kids and adults. Kids singing. and adults singing. And that yeah. that's uh, one of the ways I know Abby. We've, we've had some other uh, points of, of contact. But, um, yeah, uh, that's, that's just like a little segue, I guess, into who you are. Maybe you could elaborate more for us. Yeah. Uh, could you give us your name, your full name, your pronouns, uh, where you're from, a little bit about your background is Abby. Don't don't put any art into the first background part. Okay. And then the second, you've gotten to like, this was who Abby was before art. Before art? Before art. It could be like four years old or five years old. Okay. Like whenever, and like go from there. It's like, this is when I started art. And then tell us your background in art as well. Okay. Um, so my name is uh, Abigail Sarah Ogilby Rosen. That is Ooh. my full my full name. Four of them. Um, uh, I use she they pronouns. Um, I am originally from Los Angeles, California, um, a suburb of Los Angeles called La Cunada Flint Ridge, which shares a border with Pasadena, which is where the Rose Parade is. Mm-hmm. Just to triangulate a little bit for people who might not know where LCF is. Um, and uh, I moved here in uh, 2016 to go to University of Nevada, Reno, uh, to pursue classical voice, and then ended up switching to a musical theater major, and then also I added on a dance uh, degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but before I lived in Reno, I um, grew up with my mom and my dad and my brother and my sister in a three-bedroom house uh, in, you know, an old kind of like L.A.-ish bungalow vibe. Um, I'm the youngest, so I'm the baby. I have a big sister, middle brother, um, Alex, my brother, and Anya, my sister, um, Lois and Paul, my parents. My dad is literally a rocket scientist. He works at JPL and does radar <laughs> there. Um, yeah, he worked on, like, the Curiosity rover and um, does a lot of um, – not as much deep space. He does like imaging of the earth. Mm-hmm. So um, my family is very earthquake prepared and safe because his job is studying the plates mm-hmm. underneath the skin of the earth. The crust, <laughs> not the skin, the crust. Um, so, yeah. And um, I mean, I guess like there wasn't there's not a lot to uh, to Abby before art because I was born into a family of artists. My dad sings as well. Um uh. And my brother's an opera singer, and my sister is a visual artist. And I kind of like came out of the womb and immediately started being involved by sitting in piano recitals and band concerts and choir concerts and going to music class on and school and out of school. Um, so, yeah, that, that that's kind of like I don't know. Is that okay? Is yeah, that that's yeah. Info that's background. That's totally yeah. No, I talked about my dad's job a lot. It's just pretty cool. Um, it's pre- space it's is cool. Pretty cool. The only thing I was thinking about that when you said it is like, because of his job, do you look at everything as like, do you have like a radar for what's earthquake proofed? Like, do you have special knowledge on earthquakes where you're going around? And you're like, this building 
I don't want to go in it because it's not up to code. It's uh, <laughs> not looking good to me. Um, I I don't. I think it's less about the like um like code up up to code safety aspects. It's that the overwhelming and looming sense that it can happen at any time mm. is what mostly occupies my mind. Is like. You know, I'm like that. That's a brick building, and that's gonna you know kill you. And there's there's only so much preparedness. Like if if you're if you're gonna die in an earthquake, you're gonna die in an earthquake. Not to be grim, but you know, it's like you don't know the magnitude of it. You can get in a doorway, but like if it's huge, that you no, know no, it, yeah. the building's coming down. If you're in, and if you're in it, you know you're toast. So like, um, yeah, I think it's less about. Uh, I f- I feel like I I spend less time thinking about uh, the safety of the buildings and that. The big one is coming, which is a lot of what my, you know, trying to predict using radar to predict when it will happen. Mm-hmm. But it's any, you know, it's anyone's guess. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's horrifying. We have like life straws and shock blankets like in our. Um, so in case we needed to drink like our pool water, you know, we have like dechlorinators or like, you know, purifiers and <laughs> my dad's just water. a chef. Like well, cool. I, I, I just say that from the perspective I'm looking at like plates that come out when I'm at dinner and I'm like, these aren't presentable. Look, look at this little, oh, sure, you sure, know, sure. I, so I'm always, those details always come to me cause he's the one complaining about it. Yeah. And, uh, in comparison, I'm glad my dad's a chef. It sounds, <laughs> a, it sounds a lot, uh, less anxiety <laughs> inducing. inducing. Yeah. Except it, when it wasn't, there were times where we'd go to places and he'd be like, do you know what that's made of? Mostly fast food. Okay. Like Taco Bell. Yeah. He'd be like, do you know what their beef is made of? I'm like, no. And he's like, well, let me tell you. He's like, not beef. Not, it will. It's, uh, I think it, I think he said it's made of beef heart uh-huh. and beets. Yeah. Like actual beets. And part of the reason it has its color is like is the, beet? the beets and it can mix with something else. I'm not yeah. sure. It's been a while since I got that talk. Yeah. I mean, I guess like I would rather them use parts of the cow that, maybe you're not going to be like sold as mm. frequently. Mm. Yeah. That, yeah. It's probably for money though. I mean, yeah, it's not like right? a, a thing of like, well, we should reduce waste. It's yeah, we should do this. This would be good for everybody. No. no. Um, so you came out just singing because your family is just so musical. Yeah. What, what is your, uh, dad's vocal range what is your your sisters and yeah like yeah so my bro uh, my dad is like a he's a baritone i would say um and he like you know he's always was singing he still sings all the time once i uh all of us kind of graduated and left the house he started taking voice lessons and is a part of a choir and mm. which is pretty cool fun fact uh very fun fact so um uh i promise i'm gonna answer your question yeah, but this yeah. is relevant Please. um so Grew up in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. was a part of the Los Angeles Children's Chorus, which mm-hmm. is a, a one of like the premier children's choruses in Southern California slash America. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up doing opera because anytime Los Angeles opera needed kids in their productions, they gave LAC, sorry, gave LACC a call and we would go. Um, there is also somebody who is very, very famous, very famous celebrity who was mm-hmm. a part of the Los Angeles Children's Chorus. And if you are a super fan, you will know this. Billie Eilish. Oh. If you've seen her special on Disney Channel, LACC is in it. Um, her brother Phineas and I were very good friends in cool. LACC, um, so which is great, and like we still DM and and chat. It's like he, you know, international superstardom does mm-hmm. interfere with yeah, our conversations. I'm sure. um, but <laughs> we chat, and my dad was the chaperone on choir tours for Phineas, and Phineas sometimes will just ask me about my dad and how Paul is doing, and my dad's voice teacher also teaches Billie Eilish. 
Those are all very cool things. Yeah. So the, it, my dad and his musical, you know, pursuits. This just like, I'm not saying that I would ever meet Billie Eilish in my life. Like uh-huh. That'd be cool. But it just makes me feel like I would go up to her and be like, what's up, Ferb? <laughs> Oh, right, I guess. Sure. Phineas, Phineas and Ferb. Phineas yeah. and yeah, Ferb. Sorry, sorry. I wonder. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure she gets that. The second you said Phineas, I was like, I wonder if they have another brother. No. Not like, That's just where my I mind I mean, not to my knowledge. Went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They have a third brother. They don't really talk, <laughs> talk about, about him that much. Yeah, uh, he like Ferb. can't sing or do anything. He's just, you know. <laughs> He's just kind of there, yeah. you know. He's the Mike Lazowski of the family. Yeah. Mike Lazowski. Yeah. Um, but anyway, aside from my father and Billie Eilish having the same vocal coach, um, my dad's a baritone and sings lots of, um, he likes singing art song. So like German and French art song. Mm. He has some solos in his choir, which is awesome. Um, and my brother is a bass. Mm-hmm. He's an opera singer, a working opera singer who mm. does a lot of his work in Europe. So France and the Netherlands and um that's mostly where he, where he is. Um, he's got like a really specific n- niche that um, it is just on the rise in popularity in mm-hmm. those parts of Europe. So he's going to move to France. So yeah, that's pretty cool. I get it. Um, and he's been singing. So he was in LACC before I, I was. He was older. Um, and he was like, you know, pianist and all that stuff. And then my sister has a great voice. She doesn't sing, though. She plays guitar. She played clarinet. Um, but she took uh, less of a performance track. Because she's a bit more introverted than mm. my brother and myself, so she's mm. yeah a painter, mm-hmm. um, and a photographer, and she has a lot of different mediums, um, and uh, now actually she works as a farmer. Mm. She did a lot of work as as in agriculture, because she I don't know, mm. I actually don't really remember how she got into it, but she like started working uh, like on a small organic farm and ended up really you know taking to it has been doing ag for like 10 years and now she's an operations manager for an urban farm that's uh stationed in Brooklyn but she's opening all of the different like uh satellite farms around the country hmm. and still pursuing art so I really want to see like some sort of video with all of you just singing yeah does it exist no 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 uh well yeah the video doesn't exist we sing uh we all the the times that we all sing together as a family are during Jewish holidays ah. so we all sing the prayers and it sounds pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. I, w- I just, like, when you started saying all the vote, you were like, well, my dad's a baritone and my brother's a bass and uh, my sister didn't sing too much, but she does play some guitar. I'm like, you're uh, getting like a band Von together, Trapp, aren't you? Von <laughs> yeah. Trapp family singer. Yeah. Well, whenever I'm home, my brother, so I was just, I said, like, my brother was, like, a piano prodigy. He was going to go to school for piano and accompaniment and then ended up being incredible at singing and did that instead. But, um, you know, my dad, my dad and I will sing together and my brother plays the piano and like, we do that very, you know, feels very like, I don't know, hallmark, but it's cute. Yeah. It it does sound hallmark, hallmark, but, uh, it also just, I don't know when you started saying it, it, that's what went in my mind. I was like, I hope it's, it's true. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's super sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And, um, so you come from a very talented family. Yes. Um, so so tell us about Abby, because yeah. I have a feeling that you're you. I know you are on that same level. You uh-huh. have just as many pursuits. Yeah, I have a lot of them. Um, so I yeah, I mean, right now, I guess I can start with like what I'm doing 
now? Should yeah. I start with what I, I don't know. Uh, we could work I backwards. You could you could start with what you're doing now. We could go backwards. We could you could start with being in uh, children's chorus. Yeah, I guess go forwards. Yes. Yeah. So I I did children's choir. That was like my main thing. I started when I was like seven or eight, and loved it. Um, was really excited because my big brother did it, and I got to do it. So that was really exciting for me, mm-hmm. and um, loved singing. Ended up doing some like after school community theater type plays. I did Peter Pan. It's the first play I ever did, and I played Peter. So that's cool. Not to brag. Um, there were like <laughs> it was like quintuply cast, so there were like four other Peters in the yeah. same production. So I only sing yeah. I'm flying, but um, I felt very proud. Yeah. And then um, did yeah, I was just like an assistance league after school theater thing. Did that for a couple years, um, in elementary school, and then you know every year my school had a sixth grade play. I did that, which was really fun and kind of like was continuing to catch the theater bug that way um, in, and listened to musicals, which was, you know, different than, than what my family listened to. I, mm-hmm. you know, grew up listening to like classical KUSC mm-hmm. and like NPR and not Radio Disney and not musical theater. So when Wicked came out, that was like a really big moment for me. It's like really <laughs> like <laughs> formative. <laughs> yeah. So like that um, kind of pushed me down that like musical theater bug, you know, um, route and then um i yeah i i entered my middle school and my high school shared the camp shared a campus so mm-hmm. my choir program at my high school was 7 through 12 so i got involved in choir there um and my voice started changing and i was like a bit less of a child so i like mm-hmm. graduated out of LACC cuz my voice was kind of growing in a way that didn't fit in that aesthetic which is very like um bel canto like traditional like tall, pure, unified sound, mm. um, which was awesome. But I, it kind of, I felt, I was like, it described it like I was a puppy dog with like two big feet. I just didn't really know how to like control my voice at that point. Mm. So it was just getting hard for me to kind of, you know, be, be in choir there, um, but way easier and better for me to be in choir at school because it was a different style yeah. um, and had an incredible experience um, at locking out of high school with Dr. Jeff Brookie, who was my choir conductor. Um, and he uh, was as an incredible mentor. And I think a lot of the reason why I'm in education now, I mean, all of the teachers and professors and mentors I had and Tomlinson, who was the director of LACC at the time also mm. was an amazing woman who like, I think has also inspired me and, um, shaped, you know, who I am as an educator, um, which is what I do now, which I'll get to in a minute. Uh, <laughs> um, and then did theater all throughout high school. And did musicals and plays and Shakespeare and which was awesome. All of the things. All the things. I would full choir, full theater. I was on an improv team for six years. I was improv team captain. Part she, of my... she's really good at improv, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> I can well, attest. One of my yeah, it's like it. I thought it was really cool, but sometimes it feels really um, embarrassing to admit that I was like, just like need like waist chin deep in improv for a long time. But she's you're so good at it though. Really I know, funny. but like you hear people are like, I don't know, like it's just I don't know. Improv people are weird. Improv, improv people are weird, but it's one of those things where like theater people are weird. I heard this thing yeah. the other day where it was on a podcast actually, and somebody called somebody else like uh, they're like, you look like a theater kid, and then the set the response was like, I don't think that's a compliment, yeah. and I don't think yeah. anyone, even theater kids 
take it as a no, compliment. I literally, I was <laughs> at my brother's wedding and um, having a great time. This is recently. Um, and I had met my my brother-in-law's girlfriend for the first time. And we like, she's a voice major too. I had no idea. Like we'd never met. We're like, hitting mm-hmm. it off. We're having a great time. Like she's hilarious. I love her. I'm like so glad that we're like family now. And we had this like, you know, giggle and this like comfortable silence. And she was like, so, like, did you do improv? And I've never felt more mortified in my entire <laughs> life. I was like, this was going so well. And now I'm like, yeah, like, literally, I was like, what about me? Um, What about me uh, broadcast that message so I can change that immediately? That <laughs> You're like, you, you saw it? Yeah. You were, like, th- oh, what? God. You know me? That's problematic. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I did improv for six years. Comedy, sports. And that was really fun. What, um, before you move on from, yeah. from this section, can you give me... Your favorite role that you played in a regular play, okay, a musical, uh-huh. and a Shakespeare play up to this point. Up to this point, like so, high school, I think is where we're at. Okay, right yes. Yeah, so not going. Okay, um, yes, I played Abby Brewster in Arsenic and Old Lace, which is one of my favorite plays of all time. How are you familiar? I'm not. It's great. I can't remember who it's by. Arsenic and Old Lace. Arsenic and Old Lace. It's about. Um, Two old women who don't are unmarried and they live in this house and um, they they have two nephews and one of them is named Mortimer and he's a theater critic and he hates his job and he hates theater. And the other is um, he's kind of like a little bit um, kooky and off his rocker and he thinks that he's Teddy Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. He thinks he's Theodore Roosevelt, literally. And um, they're these like very charming, cute, kind of like you know, tittering old ladies. And it, um, uh, you find out that they run, they, they run like a boarding house, but they kill, they, they lure in widowed men who are lonely and sad. And then they poison them with arsenic to put them out of their misery. Cause they're like crazy. Um, and, uh, and they find out like each uh, it's like this is like a side plot, but I think it's so funny. They find out before they kill them what denomination of Christianity they are, so that they can give them like a proper funeral for each denomination. So they have like every single version of the Bible, <laughs> and then Teddy, their nephew, who thinks he's Theodore Roosevelt, they are like he's digging the Panama Canal in the basement, and they bury them all in the cellar. And their other son, who's the theater critic, like finds out because there's a dead man in the window box, and mm. it's you know crazy and they have another brother whose face is like horribly disfigured and he has this like weird plastic surgeon who's his like boyfriend question mark slash like assistant and then Jonathan is the guy's name and he's like a murderer it's like it's just a very um like comedy of errors mistaken identities lots of like one person exits another person comes in like somehow there's like three different bodies in the window box and the old ladies the whole time just don't understand why what they're doing is a problem um, because they like donate to charity and like give people like pies and they make their own wine and they're like are like, glowing pillars of the community, but also they're are prideful. like, they, yeah, they think what they're doing is helping. Well, yeah, they're, it's they a very honorable. It. Yeah. yeah. they they love it. And yeah. they're like, this is, they get really excited about it. Mm-hmm. And you know, and the men are really, they are really sad. It's like really gloomy and horrible. Yeah. So I got to play one of the sisters. I got to play one of the murderer, murderous cool. old women. That's cool. Arsenic and old lace. I'll, yes. I'll have to look that up. It's awesome. I think it's a great play. We just, so I was like, I think a sophomore in high school when I did it. Like, I don't know. It's a great play to do for, um, for like high schoolers. I feel like it's dark and not edgy, but it's, it's dark and kind of grim and, um, funny in a way that feels like appropriate, appropriate and accessible. For young people, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. it's like sometimes you're uncomfortable and cringy when you try to see like watch a play that 
with like teenagers and it's they try to be edgy and they just don't get it because they're like 13. They don't get it. Yeah. But I, mean, I love I thought we all had such a good time. It was, you know, it was a great play. Hilarious. Kind of like not racy, but, you know, it's like about yeah. death and, and it's right murder yeah. and almost edgy. Yeah, it's great. Almost. Yeah, it was an awesome play. So that Abby Brewster, I think, was my favorite role. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite roles that I've the played. Play. I'd love to do it again. I love to do it when I'm like actually old. Yeah. Um, in a musical, um, I got to play um, Maria von Trapp my senior year, hey. which was really special. Um, I love that musical, and I felt like yeah, it was very, very, very special um, experience. I loved it a lot. Um, you'd you'd be really good at that. Thanks. Um, yeah. That's I mean, Golden Age musicals is kind of mm-hmm. like my wheelhouse. That's like where I, I live vocally. Um, most it, comfortably. So I just think of the the aspect of like you are an actual singing teacher. Yes. You are an actual musical teacher. Like all of that stuff with Maria. I I've, I've seen it a couple times where the Maria's do it well, you know. But you would be able to like really do it. Yeah. Not to say they wouldn't, but I don't sure. know. That's cool. That's no, cool. yeah. It's I you know and like um so it happened. I I did it my senior year and I um I had auditioned for a bunch of schools and you know was very much a big fish in a small pond and I think had a bit of an inflated ego and also did not know what I was like getting myself into in terms of auditioning for musical theater schools Mm. at all um and I applied I think to like seven Mm. seven or eight schools rejected from all of them just no goes devastating (laughs) um like really just heartbreaking and and you know it's like you spend your whole high school career like doing all this stuff and everyone telling you you're amazing and you're gonna go places and you're so special and how could no one you know how could anybody not want you and then you know your worst nightmare comes true and you know no one wants you um which is what it felt like at the time. I know that now, right, you know, in hindsight, that it was like I'm auditioning for programs of 16 to 20 people and there's thousands of applicants. And I didn't have the same kind of intensive musical theater training that a lot of these people did because I came from a background of classical singing, mm-hmm. which I love to do. And it, it was, you know, I just didn't have the, I, I didn't know what I didn't know at the time. Um, and so I was going through that in the spring, our musicals were in the spring and I was, had just kind of finished getting <laughs> all of my rejection letters. Um, and it sucked so bad, but like, you know, the, pl- the play is like about a, a young person who, um, a, this woman who's like, I want to be a nun and this is my life's calling and this is my life's goal and I'm going to do this thing. And then her, they're like, no, actually you're going to go and be a, a, a um, uh, not a, uh, a, a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh a nanny? Yeah, no, but it's not a nanny. But it's like a mo- it's care. She's like the mom. Yeah, but she, there's a very uh, there's a governess. Sorry, governess. that's what it is. Governess. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it was like just digging in my brain. Yes, you're gonna be a governess for seven kids because we don't think that you're ready to like do this. We don't think you're ready to make this commitment. Mm-hmm. And the musical is about this person who's really <laughs> assured and steadfast in what she thinks is right for her and what she thinks she's going to do and what she thinks is the best choice. And then it goes the other way and ends up being exactly what needed to happen mm-hmm. for her. And she falls mm-hmm. in love and becomes a mother for these children and, and finds a sense of purpose in, in a way that like, you know, she still feels connected for in her case, right. Connected to God and connected to like this idea that like God's plan for her can still be valid, even though it's not her being a nun. It's like mm-hmm. this other thing. Um, and for me, it wasn't like about being a nun or God, but it was like, 
this felt to me, um, I think it helped me to like put in perspective of like, you know, similar trials. Sometimes, you know, you think that things are going to go one way and then they don't. And sometimes it's for the better. And I think it was genuinely. Mm -hmm. So then like that was, you know, that felt like it was a very fitting and like poetic experience with that musical, Mm -hmm. um, with like all of my friends and our choir program rocked. So like we just had every single girl in the choir program be in the nun ensemble. Yeah, It was just awesome. I was like, it it was great. Oh yeah. It was like, even we had people like up in the balconies, like not even on stage, just like we had like a pit choir basically. So it was just Mm -hmm. like massive amounts of, of singing and, um, and you know, it was just, it just rocked. It was a really good time. That sounds amazing. I wish fun. I could have seen it. What was your what was the third thing I'm supposed to tell you? Shakespeare. Oh. Well, I I only got to I did um did I do one Shakespeare? I I was Helena in Midsummer Night's Dream. Also mm. my senior year. Mm. I think Great. my senior year. Yeah. Great roles. Yeah, it was super fun. Mm-hmm. I I loved playing Helena. I'd love to do that again. Mm-hmm. She rocked. Mm-hmm. What did you do it in the normal Midsummer, or was there a different theme? No, it was pretty standard. Our mm-hmm. our Shakespeare's were like S- standard. Yeah, You're in school Elizabethan like garb and we'll give all you, that stuff. You're in school, we'll give you the original. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had like a really awesome. Again, this is just like L.A. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like going to school in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um, my theater teacher Justin Ike, who rocks again. Just yeah. had, I had a. I mean, I, I was gonna probably come back again and again in our talk of like I feel really, really, really grateful that I had so many amazing teachers and mentors, and I'm never surprised that now I want to teach because <laughs> I just had a bunch of people who were awesome to me. Who did you write? Yeah. Um. So Justin had, um, these beautiful, like really stunning sets mm-hmm. that he got from connections and he maintained them super well. And the way that he built the program is that all of the seasons were in a rotation. It was a four year rotation. So it was the same shows that happened mm-hmm. like A, B, C, D. Mm-hmm. And then when the seniors graduated, there was an entire new crop of freshmen, mm-hmm. sophomore, junior, seniors, and then it would start over again. So we would reuse all of the sets and mm. all the costumes, and it would just look stunning. We didn't have to spend any more, like, new money. Yeah, that's great. Um, and our Shakespeare set, we had this kind of, like, wooden gold, like, globe replica. Wow. So it was, like, a neutral kind of just, like, pillars and a balcony mm-hmm. and wood. So mm. all the Shakespeare's happened on the globe that set. That same, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a really nice set. Oh, it was beautiful. It was yeah. so beautiful. That totally plays into that theme, too, of just being able to reuse it for yeah. It's just not like you have repurpose. to have a million Shakespeare sets. You just get no. the one. Right. Yeah. It's really, he really had to figure it figured out, mm-hmm. this guy. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like all the costumes were, yeah, super fun. The whole like bodice and big, you know, bustles and petticoats. Yeah. And um, he also had this really cool program called Shakespeareance, which was like a, yeah, it was awesome. It was like a full a review of all the famous love scenes, or not all, but most of the iconic famous love scenes from Shakespeare that was like threaded into like a review. Mm-hmm. And um, Puck is the like narrator, the mm-hmm. MC of it. And he did made the show with his friends, had um, professional actors do all of it. And then the advanced drama class gets got to be in it. Um, every year they would do it in like February. Mm-hmm. So that we learned a big dance and all the little like crosses and transitions. We got to be there. So we had like a professional theater experience. We did it at, like a theater in LA and um, he would send out curriculums and schools could sign up to come see it. So the schools would like do the curriculum learn, then come and watch the show. That's like meet the kids. And it was like a big like education outreach kind of thing that he did. 
So it's, he he sounds like a really great guy. He's an amazing yeah. person. He's yeah, he's like a total nut. He's like, you know, a theater person, um, and kind of crazy. And you kind of have to be, I feel like, to put on that much stuff a year. I mean, it was we did like six shows a year. Every year. And they, uh, the theater one always does, does still to this day, Christmas Carol in the fall, Dracula in the spring, and then and then a Shakespeare and then like three other plays every it's a, year. It's a lot. Even and a if, musical. Even if you've done it before, that's still a lot. No, but he's just like a hamster on a wheel. It keeps going. Must keep going. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, yeah, and I think definitely I, I, I have a lot of him like with me. That's good. Yeah. I, yeah, I that I like how you said that. That's actually how I think of um, most of the people that a lot of the mentors that I have are more friends that I've had that I've worked with and just learned from and mm-hmm. vice versa. It feels as if I have people in my life like uh, I don't think, you know, Patrick Reichelsberger, but mm-hmm. he's one of my best friends. He lives down in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, both of us in working with each other had a lot to teach each other, but both of us just work. So mm-hmm. it's like we learned from working with each other like, oh, this is what this is how Patrick gets rid of this problem that I would have not done anything to. Yeah. And, and vice versa. And we just pick up things. So like I have a lot of that energy from from Patrick and people like Joe, my roommate, you mm-hmm. know, just people that you've worked with. I think that you you gain that over time and then all of a sudden you can call upon their energy, which is the weirder thing. Yeah. Like. Uh, for me, I like imitate people sometimes, but also it's just, you know, I think Patrick's the one I bring up because, uh, he is very, um, he's a very big character. Mm -hmm. He's a very big person. He gives you a hug. If he sees you, that will probably hurt a big hug, Mm -hmm. like a big, not trying to hurt you, Mm -hmm. just trying to be like, Hey, and it'll squeeze you really hard, you know, um, big laugh, very infectious, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, he gets impassioned and mm-hmm. he does have some anger issues, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I have like depression and sure. stuff like that. So it's interesting because like both of us through our modes of how we deal things with things can look at the other and be like, oh, maybe that's more appropriate. Sure. Like there there are times where he stands up for himself and I look at it and I'm like, oh, I should stand up for myself. <laughs> And then there are times where I'll I'll have grace with someone and I won't just be aggro yeah. like he would. And he'll be like, oh, maybe I should listen more. Yeah, you like know? that's something you can let go mm-hmm. and not have to. Yeah, totally. And uh, and I I love those relationships. Those are the best. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like <laughs> that concept of like, you know, building your actor toolbox or whatever, like mm. taking all the different like um, I philosophies and ideologies and theories from like different schools. Right. Mm. And then putting them into your little custom toolbox. It's like, you know, uh, the, all of the things about the teacher and like performer too, that I am today is like n- not like one person's doing. It's all of the mentors and people I've had. And I feel like I'm able to kind of like uh, uh, call upon as you say mm-hmm. those like powers or mm-hmm. those like ideas or approaches depending on the situation and depending on like, you know, the piece and the yeah. work that I'm doing. They so. they loaded your energy or their energy into you. Yeah, and it's it just has a life force in you now. Yeah, I, a lot of people when they do that it just dissipates because you don't spend enough time. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, it's just like there's so many times like when I'm having a tough time teaching. It's like, oh my god, like how how did like Justin do this? Or like how did Doctor Brigham Jeff do this? Or Anne or you know just like how how especially because mm-hmm. they worked with kids like. Mm-hmm. It's just, which I do too, and I love it, but it's trying. It's really difficult. So, yeah. like, 
I mean, it's made me appreciate and like love them even more because it's like, wow, you had so much love and grace to give me all of the best parts and sides of you, Mm -hmm. even when you were probably going through, you know, just, just horrible, just feeling bad. (laughs) Because there are days where I know I go and show up to teach them, like, I feel bad. (laughs) Just gotta be here. Yep. This is, like, really hard. Um, And I, all you know, majority of my memories and all of my feelings about them are positive and Mm. good and Mm. felt like I was seen and heard and supported and loved and all that stuff and held to a high standard, you know. That's so great. So, yeah, I feel really lucky, you know? Like, I know that uh, that's a really, like, I'm very privileged in that way. Like, a lot of people, I think, don't have really good experiences at all with high school theater or choir. Like, I hear so many people who have had really, you know, just, like, upsetting things happen to them or the way that it was run was really bad or people were super mean to them and, like... Yeah, some of those things can happen for sure. And I just, I just really didn't experience that where where I was which like I think um maybe like ostracizes me from some groups of like maybe I loved in high school but, like, <laughs> <laughs> um I mean it still sucked but you know yeah. it was like it's a little different than some people's yeah, experiences for totally. sure there yeah there is still heartbreak so, and so once you left high school mm-hmm. uh what happened after that you went to UNR immediately yeah I did I am um, one of my mentors, Dr. Olga Perez-Flora, who I worked with with um, at a choir camp, got a job at UNR. And mm. she was like, hey, I heard you didn't get into school. If you want to come and study voice with me for like a semester or a year, you can just so you're, you know, you're not at home. You've graduated. You don't have to stay at home. You can like come to UNR. Like, I'm sure you'll get in. Because I had also been like prepping to get it, go to like a four year private institution. So I had written like a million essays. I did the ACT. I had done just like, you know, I busted my ass. It was just mm-hmm. horrible and like for nothing. UNR didn't want any of that. They're just like, send us your like, your like transcripts. You're, <laughs> they were, like, You're in. I was like, oh, great. Um, so uh, I was like, okay, great. I don't want to stay in La Cunada anymore because I feel like I'm going to scream. So I went to UNR with the intention of transferring. And just, you know, getting my poop in a group and getting out of there. Um, and it was really tough. It was like a really, really hard first semester. However, mm. I uh, emailed um, Rob Gander, who was at the time in charge. I think he was the chair of the department at UNR. And I was like, hi, like, I'm, you know, I'm not enrolled as a theater major because I'm doing singing, but I really want to get involved in plays and um, I just, you know, wanted to introduce myself because I'm like, you know, teacher's pet and like really trying to be proactive about engaging with my professors. And then he was like, oh, that's great. Like, you're a singer. Well, we're having auditions for The Music Man um, on Friday. So you should audition. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I don't have anything prepared. And like had my mom like, you know, expedite ship up like my shoes that I realized I didn't pack like my, you know, whatever. Because I was like, you know, I don't want to go to school. Like, everything sucks. Like, I suck. Blah. And then there was an audition. I was like, oh, my God, I have to do it. (laughs) And then um, went and did it and got cast Mm -hmm. um, as Marion Peru, which was pretty sick um, and made me feel very good. And also kind of like, I don't deserve this. And I was really just deep in the well of, like, self-doubt and feeling pretty shitty. Can I curse on this podcast? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yes. Fuck yes. Okay, cool. Sorry. <laughs> so I was feeling really shitty. Um, 
but you know, I like took it in stride and like was Mary in Peru and like it was really fun and met, you know, um, my ex partner who, you know, I was with for five years and like some of my best friends mm-hmm. and I had, you know, great relationship with Rob and was like, okay, maybe this isn't so bad and finished out that semester, the fall semester, and then went into the spring semester and did an opera and made some more friends and then was like, oh, well, maybe I'll like, I'll wait one more year. I'll transfer as a sophomore. And then didn't transfer and stayed there for five years um, because I had a boyfriend and I had friends and I loved my professors and I started dancing um, again which I hadn't done in a really long time because uh, I, I kind of had to make a choice when I was in high school. It was like, you know, choir, theater, improv, and dance. Like something had to go because it was just too much time. I didn't have the time. Um, and uh, I loved dancing so much, but um, just felt, I don't know, I was like, you know, I was a fat kid and being a fat kid in an L.A. dance studio is just uh, – it's really not fun. So mm. I quit because I was like, this just it feels horrible. And I'm like going through yeah. puberty and getting boobs and I need to like not be looked at yeah. at all in a leotard ever again. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I'm sure you could still like you were great at dance, though, back then still. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I loved it. I did a lot. I mean, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it. And I, I danced in the musical some. Um, I, I mean, like I did a lot of um, I didn't dance as much as I would have liked to. Um, because I was doing a lot of, I did a lot of the roles, like feature, um, like featured on ense- not even ensemble, like featured roles where it wouldn't really make sense if I was in the ensemble numbers. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like, unfortunately, there I always wanted to be in like the big dance numbers, but like I did Music Man as a freshman in high school, and I was like Marion's mom. Yeah, named character. Yeah, but of like some not sort. really exactly. So I was kind of like didn't dance as much because I was like, why is Marion's mom like? here she shouldn't be yeah um so uh yeah it it was just it was a bummer i mean it's like i think that's like also a huge part of my like journey and story is Mm -hmm. just like being you know not skinny and then doing trying to do theater Mm -hmm. um and just generally feeling like shit about myself because theater does that to you sometimes um do you think it's theater that specifically that did it um i mean not just theater i mean like having a body in the world is hard enough yeah um, and then pursuing something where you are going in front of people and people are looking at you and making a decision about whether or not you're going to fit an aesthetic choice that they have or an aesthetic, um, I mean, just an aesthetic period, whether or not they're conscious of it. You, you know, know, we were, I was talking about this with Melody right before you got here. Yeah. Um, and I was asking her what she thought in film specifically on casting uh, looks versus performance because in film versus theater theater a lot more of the time it's performance sure. I'm not going to say that looks don't come into account yeah. but I think that the performance is probably one and looks is probably two yeah in a lot of theater uh, whereas film I think it's reversed I think it looks are going to be number one and they're going to cast the good actors from the ones that look good. Yeah, totally. It, it, according to whatever that character is, right? Whatever yeah. good look for the character is. Um, and it, it's just interesting, I think, that uh, it plays itself that way because in film, like, a lot of the time the descriptors for the character just, do they matter? 
that's yeah. that's something. No, it is interesting. It's like you get a screen. It's like a screenplay or something, and it's like a really long description about like what this person looks like. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like, how important is this to like the plot or the story or like. Yeah, it's it's true. I think that like, you know, and I, I I'm gonna say that I think that like musical theater, is obviously theater, but is kind of its own beast, mm-hmm. um, because it is it's so much easier to um, commercialize, mm. and so you know like it's so much easier to get like the like lay person or non theater goer to go to a musical yes. than like a straight play, mm-hmm. and I feel like musical theater specifically. There's like a really there's like a brand and mm-hmm. like the types are really like rigid. Mm-hmm. I, I will say not. I know that don't come at me about. I know that it's changing. I know. I'm saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's changing. I'm not trying to say that it's it's still this way. But like at least when I was you know it has been this way. Yeah, when times. I was growing up and like doing yeah. theater. I mean you're not no. I mean Idina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth are like ninety pounds combined. <laughs> you know <laughs> like so yeah, i wasn't yeah. like wow like i'm i could do you know i could do that no mm. it's like it's not it's like it's tracy or bust right and i'm like mm. not a belter right so i was like well i can't even sing tracy so what am i doing um and was like they were like well you know you look like that so you should be the big brass brassy brash belty sidekick character that's like funny but then, you know, I opened my mouth and they're like, well, why are you singing like, you know, an ingenue? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> this is what my voice sounds like. Um, That's you know? crazy. And I, I feel, you know, I feel that way still now. I mean, mm-hmm. that's like I, I'm diligently working on trying to like expand and diversify my vocal abilities because it's important to me as an artist and a teacher and I want to sing everything all the time because I love it and I think I'm coming at it at a much from a much healthier place now of like I love it mm-hmm. I'd love to sing and I want to get better and improve and grow because from a place of love and not like if I can't belt then there's no point in me doing theater I uh I have a question ask me af- after listening to that I um I'm wondering, so this character you speak of that people came up to you and said, this is what you look like. You should uh-huh. be this. Uh-huh. Um, the The first part of the question is, uh, did you ever feel akin to said character? And the second part of the question is um, re- whether you did or not, uh-huh. what kind of characters do you wish people would have come up to you and been like, you know what? You're really good at this. Yeah. And this is, I see that and I know you know it. You should be this character. What uh-huh. kind of characters were those? Was it a comparison? Yes. Yeah. This is like okay. So this is like about theater, but also like a life conversation. I ha- I talk about this all the time. Mm. So growing up, right? Again, I've done improv for a long time. <laughs> um, and I'm like I'm a funny I'm a funny kind of person. I'm mm-hmm. like I'm funny, and I love to like make people laugh, so and funny. I'm want to like embrace you know being off the wall and like weird and I know a lot of it in high school was because I was like cripplingly insecure right Uh. so just like uncomfortable and like queer but like not realizing it and Mm -hmm. like not really liking boys in the same way but then like not understanding all that stuff right Mm -hmm. is part a of this conversation Mm -hmm. um that is like what was going on internally Mm -hmm. for me um, so loving and embracing getting to be funny and, mm-hmm. and wanting to do that. But like, 
And this is something that I still experience and I think about all the time where it's this, this idea and sensation of like, what would it be like to just be pretty Mm. and to, to walk into a room and, and have people be like, wow, like she's so pretty. And my whole life, it's like, well, you know, but you're funny and you're smart and you're intelligent and you're these other things, which is great. But there's this like really intense part of me that's like, I don't know what it is to just be pretty. And that is fucked up because I should want more than that. And there's more to life and being alive and 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 being a person than looking good. But when you're in a society and in like a, a business that is put so much value on how you look. Yeah. And as a woman, what your body looks like, what is appealing about it, right? Yeah. Like, I was like, well, I, I don't, I'm not, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I am not these things. I am not small. I am not, you know, dainty. I am not timid. I am not meek. Um, Stereotypical. You're not stereotypical right. of any of those things. And timidness and meekness, right, a lot of the time are then associated with, like, this hyper feminine ethereal gentle beauty and i know that there are parts of myself i'm very sensitive and 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 tender (laughs) um i really am but right it's like um and i know that those parts of myself are true and they exist but no that that's like not the first thing that people say or see about me Mm -hmm. where it's like you know I don't see you that way. I don't see you as meek. I don't see you as timid. I don't see you as mild. I don't see you as these things that we all associate with feminine femininity and like Mm. beauty. Mm -hmm. Um, And because it's also, yes, it's a compliment to be funny and bold and brash, but it really, I think has played a lot into like my perception and understanding and like um, relationship with like gender. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and like how I've, I love pink and I love dresses and I love singing things about being in love and I love all this stuff, but I've no one, that's not where people put me. Mm. And I don't want to like, um, minimize it in that like pink is feminine, but like in, in this, like, you know. Yeah. general sense of like all of these things that stereotypically I was like, yes, I align with that. Like, yes. But then people being like, no, you're more than that. And then I'm like, first of all, that feels like weirdly misogynistic because you're like downplaying all of the things that like being t- stereotypically feminine is those aren't bad. And then it's like, well, you're trying to make me feel better about something by telling me I'm so much more than that. So now I have like a weird relationship with like femininity and now I have this weird, like, I'm not like other girls complex because everyone is, like, trying to make me feel better about not being pretty and telling mm. me I'm funny. Mm. And then I'm, like, leaning into being funny all the time and then, like, rejecting femininity because I'm like, well, no one's going to see me that way. And, like, nobody wants wants to see me that way, apparently. Or no one else is going to be, like, bold enough to commit to this thing so you ha- you're the only one who can do this. You're the only mm. one who can, like, be brash or crass or whatever which is great and i've done a lot of really cool stuff right Mm -hmm. um and then i kind of had this very interesting experience my senior year of high school and freshman year of college where then i played like maria von trapp and then marion peru Mm -hmm. which was felt very jarring after playing like moms and ghosts for a really long time Mm -hmm. like wailing dead women and 50 year olds Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was like great i'm an old i'm i'm a crone 
Yeah. That's my casting. <laughs> I'm a crone. I am a 15-year-old who is, like, going through the most, like, cinematic, like, lesbian heartbreak of my life. And I'm playing, like, a 50-year-old mother. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, how do I – I don't know how to reconcile that. And, like, people are telling me, like, be – you're be older. I'm like, I'm a child. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And then, and then, you know, playing Maria von Trapp, which was amazing. And is still like a nun, right? She's like reserved and, and like religious. And I think that there's like, she's, I think a really amazing and interesting character because she's less of this like ingenue stereotype, but still sings that way. And, and is like, has a lot of like depth to her, um, which was really fun. But was still jarring. I was like, I have to kiss. I get to kiss someone in this play, which was very strange. Like, yeah, I was like, okay, okay, this is scary, (laughs) terrifying. And and all I could think was like, are people going to believe that like I would be kissed by this person? Hmm. Wow. You know, crazy. Yeah. Like, is this going to be believable? I was so concerned about like, Uh, is this going to be? Is it believable that someone would love me in this way on stage? This is that's a lot. That's a lot that you've uh, somebody loaded some things into you. I'm sorry. I mean, you know, it's okay. If they, it's not your fault. Yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, like and have a time machine and go back and be like, hey, but it's, see that kid over there. This is what really you're gonna tell her. Yeah, but you know, it's but it's and it's not like one person. It's just all of the little things over time, right? Mm-hmm. Of like. Mm-hmm always being the one that had to have like a special fucking costume made for them because nothing in stock fit you. Mm. And I was like a size 10. I was like not large compared they, to how how big I am now. They just don't have a culture where they have anyone of that size and they yeah. never have. That's all that says to me. Yeah. It, it, Cause they're, you're working at a place that has sets that are used every single yeah, year it's school and and to be fair like i mean i i was never like hung up to dry of like not having a costume but mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it and it and it's not that just women like well too bad you know it it's was not that easy it, well no it's just it's the experience of waiting in line knowing it's not gonna fit knowing that you're gonna have to have a conversation <sighs> about like i'm sorry or like I, I i can get one on my own or i can you know mm-hmm. Everyone has the same costume because they're all bought from the same manufacturer. And then, like, yours is different because it's just, like, well, you're fat and, like, you know, you're going to be singled out. And then I'm, like, maybe I should just, like, not be in the number. It's probably way less embarrassing. Mm. Um, And then I remember I, like, went to – when I went to college, we did Music Man. And, again, I remember the first day of being in the costume shop, I was, like, like, shaking. I was so fucking nervous. I was like, this is going to suck. I'm like, they're not going to have anything that fits me. It's going to be really embarrassing. Like, it's just going to be horrible. And I'm like, I'm an inconvenience. Like, my body's an inconvenience. And like, if I was just smaller, like, this wouldn't be a problem. And like, it'd be more castable. Like, all this shit. Right? Like, all of it. And they took my measurements. And then I like realized they were like making me a costume for me. (laughs) And I remember like apologizing. And Amari Calloway, who was a senior at the time. It was like her senior project was like making all the stuff. And I like are descended into the bowels of the UNR theater, um, into the green room. And this woman was like, had like knee high buckled, like platform shoes and like fishnets and like 
piercings Mm -hmm. and insane like locks like piled on her head and i was just like oh my god this woman is gonna like kill me she's gonna like murder me i think i know amari yeah she's glasses Mm -hmm. uh person of color yes um and she is traditionally if i were to describe in one word kind of gothic yeah yeah i I know amari kind of like Mm lolita-y like fashion we did a rant so long ago we did a scene from the play extremities Uh uh-huh um, which was somebody's, they picked this scene from Extremities. It was like their senior uh, um, project directorial thing that they had to do. Mm-hmm. And they like cast me and she was one of the people that was cast awesome. in it as well. Yeah. But that's the, I, and when you were describing her and you said her name, I was like, I know that. Yeah. I know her. She's like a terrifying person to perceive at first because she is so yeah. tall. She's also buff. She lifts weights. She took me lifting. Like the very first time I ever went lifting, she took me. And gave me pre-workout that made me, like, see God. I, yeah. like, freaked oh out. And I, I was, it was so bad. I was, like, buzzing and itchy. And she was, like, it's fine. It's supposed to do that. We became friends after, you know, I apologized for my measurements. And she was, like, what are you, shut up. And I was, like, okay, sorry. And then she, like, made me all of my costumes. And then I, and then we, like, she ordered this skirt and, like, I remember then at, like, the skirt didn't really fit. It was, like, too big. And then I was, like, I just, like, don't really feel. And I remember, like, I, like started to cry and then like the production team was like do not apologize for needing a costume alteration like it's it's okay like that's why we're here and it was just like a really healing experience it was stressful Mm. but it was like um i don't know i I really like that i remember it was like during like tech week and we were getting all the like final dress stuff out and i was like in the house at the theater and i remember just being like I, like, just don't think that the skirt is, like, working. I'm, like, I'm so sorry. And, like, I can, like, I'll just, like, wear it. I'll just, it's okay. And them just being, like, you need to, like, you just need to calm, not, like, you need to calm down in a bad way, but, like, it's not your job to, like, worry about how you look on stage. Like, if you don't feel comfortable, we are going to, like, accommodate and fix it because your job is to, like, be an actor and, like, do your art and convey and be this character. Um, which was just something that I hadn't really thought about before because I was oh I'm always just worried about how I look and like all the time. So. I think this also makes me think of uh, I tell my students all the time when you're on set if you're in a crew position and you're seeing actors or if you're in an actor position just always remember that the actors are there to act and that if you're on crew and you have something in your hand that's your tool. Mm-hmm. When you see them, you don't necessarily see their tools mm-hmm. that they come to work with, but they are there. If they're in a room off to the side, chilling by themselves, that's them chilling with their tools, sharpening their tools. Yeah. And you coming in to just like talk to them or do whatever, yeah, that, can be... that can throw them off their game. And it's like that's that's the actor's job. Mm-hmm. It's to come to set, know your lines, do your job. The actor's job is not to come to set make your costume, make sure the set is also looking good so that people aren't looking at that, they're looking at you. Yeah. Like, it takes a village, right? Totally. It's a a weird mindset, I guess. Well, and I think that, like, especially, at least my freshman year, like, coming from uh, a high school theater program where it is this, like, it takes a village where you do everything, (sighs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I'm, like, staying after school and painting, and I'm... Mm -hmm helping mop and helping vacuum and, and mm-hmm. doing all this stuff and like learning about lights and like, which was awesome. I loved doing it and that, but that's a lot of pressure too. Right. Yeah. And I think that experience of someone telling me like your job is to like, just do your job, be an actor, know your lines, come and do your thing. Like 
be a generally good and amicable person to work with and like that's that's it you don't have mm -hmm. to worry about it and you tell us what the problems are and we'll fix them yeah I mean, within reason obviously but like i mean i wasn't asking for the world i was just like this this skirt doesn't fit me and they were like we can all see that and agree it's okay we got you <laughs> yeah um so that was yeah that was like a big um i think that was kind of like a tangent about like bodies and theater shout but... out you and r yeah you guys yeah. rock yeah shout out um yeah it was really it was really good it was special and like so yeah i think that like i know that this tangent i know came from you talking about the difference between film film and theater and like what and like aesthetics and looking like mm -hmm. what people look like um, and casting yeah. and casting yeah mm -hmm. and i think that like even though it is so much less important in theater it's sometimes it's like it's some it still feels like people have a hard time breaking away from from it even though you know it's it's just yes. hard yeah um yeah like people yeah. want to do what's easy mm -hmm. and it's and it's really really i i mean like i just directed a show this summer and that's really what it comes down to is that you're always going to have a choice that's pretty easy and then you're going to have the choice that is what you want yeah. And they sometimes they're the same. It's not mm -hmm. to say they can't be the same, but there's a lot of the times where there's that easy choice and then the hard choice is just so much more work and you look at it and you're like fuck, well I'm directing. I already have a mountain of work. How do I make it so I have less work cuz that's the that's their job is to make them have less work. So they're like, "Well, I'll just choose the easy Easy choice. That's yeah. how I'll do it. So, like, okay, so in terms of, like, casting, for example, like, mm -hmm. a fat person, right, mm -hmm. in a mm -hmm. show, for like, as a romantic lead or whatever, mm -hmm. like, do you think it's, um, like, if in that would maybe be classified as easy choice versus hard choice, right? Casting is, like, a skinny person versus someone who is, like, maybe more, like, unconventionally attractive it would mm -hmm. be the hard choice, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think that it's, and I'm, this is, like, I'm either for you or like I'm not asking saying like you specifically but like yeah. in general right this choice is it hard because we don't have costumes to fit them and we already have a costume for the other person is it hard because it's like how do I justify this person being lovable is it hard because of our own implicit bias towards fat people is it everything I think it is the culture and I think that that is said by the story you had to which uh, a school that has a four-year track for their sets and shows does not have costumes that can fit all. Mm -hmm. The culture is that way. Mm -hmm. The culture is that way. It is the culture um, in which, like, you know, it's easier to do this because that's how I've seen it. A lot okay. of the people, sure. when they see a show, they are going to cast, like, they'll see the show online. Mm -hmm. They'll see the maybe the original of the show. And they're like, oh, my God. The person playing X character has red hair. And then suddenly, even though the red hair doesn't matter at all, they have to have a red haired person for this role. But isn't that like so interesting, though? Because with film, it's literally like you're not re very not very often are you remaking a film. Mm -mm. Yet it's like so much more, you know the what nostalgia, I'm saying? Nostalgia, right? Yeah, but mm -hmm. it's like. When it's like you have the opportunity to like make something to, completely original, but then you're still only sticking and to then like you just stick to it. Mm -hmm. And in theater, where it's like, yeah, like it's and it, this is speaking to the idea of that like aesthetics matter less in theater mm -hmm. and more in film. 
it like in a way feels like it should be reversed because like you're not having to compare anything to in a new movie. That's yeah. But when you're new redoing works versus old works, yeah, completely different as well. Yeah, but, like yeah, when you're seeing Phantom or whatever the bajillionth time for the bajillionth time, people exactly. are going to expect Christine or whatever to look a certain way. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to cut yeah. you off. But like, just... oh oh yeah, um, uh, but you know, I there are certain characters that I think of that like. So a character that I would think of that perhaps I I would be interested to hear how you could have um, a fatter person play it, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it could work because mm-hmm. of the story. Sure, would be uh, L from Legally Blonde. The reason why uh-huh. is because at the beginning of this story, she's literally so superficial that she cannot see past her own self. She can't see past the things she wants, uh-huh. like Warner or any of these superficial type things. She uh-huh. is the the definition of superficial at the beginning. Uh-huh. So I would think that she would have to be one of those people you said that grew up only being pretty, that had no other skills. Yeah. And that is only this role. And I'm picking out this role specifically because yeah. that's how the role starts at the beginning. Yeah. And then by the end... She kind of makes this transition uh-huh. where she is no longer superficial. She's yeah. uh, or to an extent, she still is herself. She still wants to be uh, dressed to the nines when she's going in to do her courtroom stuff. Sure, right? But she's no longer uh, obsessed with looking perfect. She's no longer obsessed with I have to date Warner. Warner is actually my boyfriend from high school, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh <laughs> we're together. Yeah. And that's how it is. She doesn't care about that. She goes for Emmett. Uh-huh. Not a douchebag. Yeah. And Emmett is uh to take a word you said earlier describe feminine the feminine character, meek, timid. Yeah. That is that is Emmett for sure. Yeah. You know, and she chooses that over that, which is more less on a look scale, mm-hmm. more on a uh, mental scale, mm-hmm. you know, and it is less uh, within the what we're talking about. It's more like going towards men as well, like changing the dynamic of how men are thought of. Right. Sure. In certain ways. Yeah. Uh, but what I would also put on that is that if um, if a bigger person were to try out for the show, mm-hmm. that L is not the only role in the show that is worth going out for. Sure. And actually, probably the funnest roles are not L. Yeah. Like, and most of the other roles, you, it doesn't matter. Sure. The, L is the, the only one that I would pick out because of the superficiality at the beginning of the show. Interesting. That's the only, that's like, Top of my head, yeah. that is one I could choose. Yeah. But Christine, let's go back to Christine. Sure. You know, so she's an ingenue. Uh-huh. You're an ingenue. So mm-hmm. uh, let, let's, sure. yeah. Sure. People are telling you that an ingenue voice is coming out, right? Sure. Let's yeah. just say for the sake of that, right? Yeah. So uh, then it comes down to uh, body, which we're talking about. Yeah. Right? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter for Christine. Is she is she in the ballet or is she she just sings? She's in the ballet at, the, at first, but you're a yeah. dancer. Yeah. So like, I don't know Phantom very well. I can't. Lie. Oh, okay, but, cool. But well, yeah. but I would say like I mean for especially for the little things that I know about Phantom, mm-hmm. talking about opera, it's all about the voice. Yeah, that's and like the thing. And the whole when the fat lady sings, like come on. It's so so like, th- that's know, that's just my point fat. is that like within within maybe. Uh, Legally Blonde, uh-huh. where it is so like almost ingrained within this character that she is a certain thing, a certain yeah. You know what I mean? I, it, yeah. Can you? But with <laughs> Christine, 
uh, where it's like you have those skills. All of the skills that were named for Christine, you have. Sure. You have those skills. Yeah. Christine is not superficial. Christine is not a character like she but wants I to get that better. That people can be superficial too. They, oh, they can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're I, right. You're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. And I'm just saying. No, I, I yeah, no, it's okay. I, I totally get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I think that this, I think this is coming from a, a really interesting. Um, uh, uh, this is like, I mean, for anyone who's listening, who's like into musical theater, and if you're if you're not into musical theater, sorry <laughs> <laughs> about the the like hyper specifics of like Legally Blonde. But if you've seen the movie, you can also relate. Like, I think that maybe our understanding of Elle as a character mm. is really different mm-hmm. in that. So for me, this this idea of a person that I would be like, no, is not Elle Woods, but like Regina George. Regina mm. George literally says she never weighs more than 115. And she is someone who is superficial because she is deeply insecure. It's a better pick. That is a way better pick. Elle Woods is someone who genuinely sees like good in everything mm-hmm. and she has amazing friends and she mm-hmm. has really supportive parents and she has a lot of money. True. And and you having a lot of money and a lot of privilege mm-hmm. can, makes Elle, I think, who she is in a lot of ways. That's what blinds her. Right. It's not that she's like, I'm skinny and I get everything I want. I think mm-hmm. that Elle Woods, if she was fat... But still lived in, you know, Malibu, mm-hmm. and her parents loved her. She'd be and, the same person. Oh, exactly the same person. Because inside, yeah. she's loves her boyfriend. She loves fashion. And as somebody who maybe is a fat woman, who is, like, obsessed with fashion and looking good, of mm-hmm. course she would go into, like, fashion merchandising and making her own clothes and doing all this stuff. Like, that's her passion, right? And, like... When you say it that way, it makes me more think about it, because I agree with you. Yeah. It makes me more think about it that Elle is a personality. Yeah. It's the personality of Elle. It's not necessarily what she looks like. Mm-hmm. It could be what she is dressed in sure. because of the privilege, mm-hmm. uh, what what she looks like on that, that costuming area. Mm-hmm. But what she looks like as a person doesn't matter. It is the affability of Elle. It is the uh, uh Gregariousness. Yeah. Gregarity. Gregarity. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. It is the gregarity of Elle as a person that you should cast off, not necessarily how she looks. Whereas, because Regina George does bring that in, and that's a musical too. Mean Girls is a musical now too. She would have, she's so superficial. That's a great, I enjoy that. Yeah. Because Elle and Elle like has friends. Mm-hmm. Not because people are afraid of her, not because people want to look good next to her, not because she yeah. give, gives anybody status. Mm-hmm. She's a good person mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. loves what she does and she loves the people in her life. And she's like genuinely wants to do a good job and do the right thing. And yes, she it's not that she's coming from a place of superficiality and that she like doesn't want she's like fabricating her own reality because she can't like face Right. It's like she just doesn't she just doesn't know what she doesn't know mm-hmm. where she's like, well, I've mm-hmm. always had this boyfriend and I've yep. always done this. And like, why would I do like, OK. And then yeah. and then when she's faced with adversity, mm-hmm. she's like, well, I'm going to have to change, I guess. Yep. And Regina is like, I'm going to continue to like make other people's lives miserable to get what I want because I'm insecure. Mm-hmm. Fat people can also be that way, too. Yeah. But in terms of like if I was casting Regina George, you wouldn't. Would, cast no i mean honestly even if just for the the entire line where she's saying that she never i never weigh more than 115 115 pounds like regina george's emphasis on 
her body mm-hmm. and her body being a tool to get what she wants by mm-hmm. keeping it and having it look a certain way is crucial to the plot because of the mm-hmm. entire plot line where Katie is feeding her the like c- calorie dense bars and yeah. she like can't fit in her jeans anymore, right? Like, yeah. and that to me is like also, uh, you know, when we're talking about like giving a people of different like varying bodies and and like you know races and and gender expressions like. The opportunity, like opportunities to play characters, like, and I guess, like, and I can't speak for everybody. In my opinion, it feels way more, um, like, exciting to have them be able to play someone like Elle Woods than, like, I mean, Regina is like a, a villain in this way that is like maybe not as interest. Like, it would be way more interesting to have all of these other people playing Katie and, um, Gretchen and whatever her name is, um, Amanda Seyfried's character. Karen, like, you know, <laughs> like, uh, because there are these other people with di- diverse backgrounds and different ways that they move through the world mm-hmm. orbiting around this, like, pinnacle of, I mean, literally a plastic, plastic Barbie person. Queen Bee. Yeah. And I hear, I mean, I'm, and I totally hear what you're saying about Elle. And I know that maybe it's like I'm also projecting a lot onto it because I think she's such a great character and often and but that's all the thing, right? She's so much more than meets the eye, and that's like the yeah. whole the whole. She's a transformer. That's the whole um like po- point of the movie mm-hmm. and and the musical, right? Is that she's like constantly having to tell people I'm more than what I look like. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like that's a, a an experience that that fat people have all the time. Yeah, I think that that I'm would be a really uh, great retelling rehashing of it because well, there's one going on in, in London right now with a, 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 a like a larger like a fat black Elwoods great it's awesome super cool yeah. love it I would love to she's see she's an it. amazing singer sounds great I'd that's, love to and see that's it. also the thing too a lot of the time I'm like I, I just want them to sing so well and mm-hmm. I could give a fuck about what I, they look like you know I guess what it comes down to still is just like we said before um, unless it comes down to something to do with the character because when yeah. I think of Regina George when you say when you throw out that line it makes it more like finite she has to be this way because it's a line sure it's now like established and the part you're speaking about everyone would remember from the movie as well yeah you know what I yeah. mean yeah oh and like or um, like in um like hairspray having like amber right hairspray the, like, you the... amber can't amber has to be a white girl a skinny a skinny white, white girl, girl that yeah exactly yeah. That... because it wouldn't really make sense for amber for like you know Tracy uh, you know I mean I guess and it's like theater you could suspend well, as much disbelief but yeah. stuff stuff that's like crucial to like driving the plot forward for sure yeah. And in that show, I mean, uh, a lot of the show is driven by the themes of race, by the themes of body identity and and stuff like that. So, you know, maybe shows like that or like ragtime, you know, shows where things like that come into play. And it's like you can't get around it. Yeah, you, totally. You can't really be. Well, and you wouldn't want to, you right? Because then you're to. not like, yeah, you're it's not, not really the story. honoring the story. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, with stuff like, yeah, I guess like in with Elle Woods, like. Or these a lot of other I don't know. There's a lot of characters where it's like we we put upon it that we think in this like in, mm-hmm. that we think it matters what they look like, and mm-hmm. it's you know you can't have it any other way. And then when you actually think about it, it's like oh well that's actually not true I guess right like yeah. and and you know like and in the original Broadway cast of Legally Blonde, you know it's like the the only fat girl in it is fat girl is Enid Hoops, the, like, activist lesbian. So you're like, okay, like, we see you, you know, casting 
people, which is fine. Love a fat lesbian. Like, hey, you, you know, all, what, it's me. There are just a lot of other characters in there. You could, I mean, like that that character would work. But I mean, like, what about uh, Vivian? And yeah, totally. what about um, Bend and Snap? Oh, Paulette. Paulette. Yeah. The, well, and yeah. I, I think what's, I mean, also we're using League of Blonde as an example, and that was, like, came out in the early 2000s. So also yes. there's, like, a very specific aesthetic that, like, went along with that, like, time period. That time period, in, yeah. So we also have a really, and then with musicals that are coming from movies, we have a really, really set idea, to speak to what you were saying earlier, about what people look like. Mm-hmm. Which is, this is a whole other tangent we don't have to go on, but about, like, why I have a lot of beef with, like, all these movie music, like, movie musicals that are made from movies. <sighs> Cause I I'm like, go on for hours. Yeah, because I'm just like, what? What's the? You know, it feels lazy in some ways, but then it's it's a bummer because you're then there you're having to um, appeal to people who don't know a lot about musicals. But like, I've seen Mean Girls. I love that movie, and then they go to see the musical, which is great because we're getting people like into the theater. But then they're like, she doesn't look like. Katie Heron. Well, she doesn't look like um, Rachel McAdams. And, and she doesn't look like. That's you know, the other part. Is like. We we're we're on this level where we're just like my mind is opening and exploding into new. We're like talking about all the possibilities, whereas the, most people, the audience, the people who are paying for it, they don't want to think about possibilities. They don't no. want to think. They want to come and enjoy. They want to just like literally be spoon fed half of it, and then if they think like a little bit at the end because you changed a little bit, they'll be like, "That was so thought provoking." Yes, totally. And that's and that's why I've I've segued and moved into doing education. <laughs> Because <laughs> musical theater <laughs> makes me very sad. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love it, yeah. but it it's you know it kind of Ditto. was getting to this like this point of like, um, it would it, of like, yeah, I do want to like change the world, and yes, I do want to like be there for all of the amazing changes that are happening, and like, yes, I support it, and yes, I I love musical theater, but like, there was felt like there was gonna have to be. And this is maybe me being a bit dramatic, but like lying down and kind of accepting this like commercialized BS that I didn't, I just didn't really artistically um, feel like congruent with. I was mm-hmm. just like, I don't know. I know that I know it's a job, right? And like, I feel like lots of people. It's like, oh well, you are, you know, you're so you're so um specific. You can do so many specific things. But then it's like, okay, but what's on the rise right now is these are things that feel not specific, right? It's like general big song and dance, like pop contemporary musicals that feel very similar to one another, which are great. And I'm not I'm not hating on it. But for me, it felt like, well, where do I fit in that? And do I want to and do I want to expend my energy and, and all my like tools and my love and my passion on a job that maybe I'm I don't feel is like feeding me and nurturing me as an artist? Um, have you ever thought of writing your own musical? I have. I have. Um, I write my own songs. I like mm-hmm. try to do like I'm. I'm trying to like dip my toe in the singer songwriter arena. Um, I've just spent a lot of my like time focusing on singing and let a lot of my instrumental um, ventures to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Which is I'm so I'm trying to get back into like playing, playing piano and guitar. But um, I mean I'd love to write my own musical. Um, and I, I love being a part of new works. I love, I would love to just like, I mean, if I could have a career like workshopping new work would be super fun. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why I love like education and educational theater and like academic theater um, is because it gives you, it gives you the space to, to like not have to make decisions solely based on like what's going to make you money or not. And like, 
that is what is feels sad to me about theater sometimes is that it's like they're and, and not that like musical theater or big commercial musical theater is an art because it is but there are certain things that feel way less artistic about the actual nitty-gritty underbelly process of it um, than I would like because it's still a performance and it's entertainment right you're speaking to my soul and that's the, sure. and that's the same thing with like you know weird film right where it's mm-hmm. like I'm and I'm I'm sure there's so many parallels. I'm not like a film person. I I don't do a lot of like I, I've never done on camera stuff. But like, where you um, there are people who want to make like super weird art house films with like no music or talking, and mm-hmm. it's like all weird and fucked up and crazy, and it's like nine hours long, and like you leave feeling like you know what just happened, and that's like people's bread and butter. But like you know that's not gonna be a box office hit. And then there's like Dwayne the Rock Johnson and like Jumanji three thousand. And it makes billions of dollars. Yes, it and does. And I love Dwayne The Rock Johnson. No hate to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But, you know, like, as an example, right? Like, then that's got to be really fucking disheartening. <laughs> it is. Uh, I I think of it as um, something uh, – I had a friend. His name was Brad Vance. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad is no longer with us. Uh, I love you, Brad. Anyway, uh, Brad was a writer. He was great. And he wrote um, gay love novels. Um, and they were just like, uh, it was just funny because he, he would never read any, he would just show me the covers Mm -hmm. and then he would like, tell me a little bit about it. And he was like, Cody, this is art. I'll show you what real art is right now. Like the game of it with two books, the fly right there. Um, so one of them, he's like this book right here and he pulls out, uh, it it was on Amazon. He just like pulls up the cover, Mm -hmm. you know? And he's like, this was like, I poured so much time into it. It was, it was just near and dear to me. Mm-hmm. And as I was going through it, I was like, this is it. This is the one. It's going to put me on the map, blah, blah, blah. And I knew it. And I poured my heart and soul into it. And you see the cover. And it's not like uh, anything like flashy or anything. It's just like a normal looking good cover. You know, it has like a letter on it and some things uh, that I'm sure correlate with the story. Yeah. Um, and so he was just like, this book is not my worst selling book, mm-hmm. but it's down there. Yeah. This book, on the other hand, and then he scrolls uh-huh. and he goes to a different book. And the cover of this book is uh, uh, it's a shot. Imagine a guy, uh-huh. a dude. He's in high school. He's white. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a shirt on, uh, but that's OK because he's muscular as shit. Mm. And you actually can't see. Uh, his face you can see you can see from (laughs) his mouth down mouth down so you can see the chin specifically on this voluptuous lips his his shirt shirtless slightly sweaty body Uh and what's he holding a football helmet right in one of his one of his hands and he's just standing there in a certain stance and he's like this is smut. Yeah. This is literal smut. This is what you it's think like it is. Pornography. You can look at the cover and just like know exactly what's in the book. Mm-hmm. It is my best selling book. Okay, it has sold more than of anything course. else. And and I remember that story to this day. Yeah. Because that's exactly what it is. You know? Yeah. And and like if it pays, I mean, you know, like people have to get paid. Like we have to make money. Like totally right to like live yes so i'm i I would never be like oh you do like that i'm like if you can do it and you are someone who can like walk in there like yup like you yup then do it and i just think that like there are certain 
not to say that like I'm not that person, but I know for sure mm-hmm. that like first of all I wouldn't love doing that, and then secondly like I know that there are a lot of um, stereotypes and easy tracks that I wouldn't be able to get funneled through to. Mm-hmm. So do I like fight the current and fight the stream and like fight to get a place in this musical because I'm like, I should, you know, do the, like the, the, the thing about like, I'm going to like, I have a place here when I'm like, when I'd get there, I'd be like, Oh God, fucking damn it. Like mm-hmm. I'm doing another movie that's been made into a musical mm-hmm. and it feels um like soul crushing. And I think that that's, like, partially why I, like, got – well, I mean, I got into teaching because I needed money, right? Because you don't get paid as much to perform as you do to teach. And then, like, after a while, it was like, oh, I'm, like, really good at this, first of all, which feels good when some, you're good at things and you don't constantly feel like you're having to prove yourself, which is, like, I feel like a lot of the experiences of an actor and a performer – is that there's always someone better than you. There's always someone that can replace you. There's always someone who can do your job. There's always, right? Like, that's just, like, yes, what you're told. that is what you're told. Yes. Is that, like, you should be, like, kissing the fucking ground that people walk on because you're, like, a grub and, like, you could just be fired and there's a million people just like you waiting out the door that like, could do a million times better, right? So then you just generally feel all the time like you don't deserve anything and, like, you're horrible. And then, you know, I, I didn't like feeling like that and I kind of already felt like that in my real life and then in my job I was like, okay, this sucks. No, thank you. <laughs> and, you know, and I kind of, like, took a, I mean, not took a break, but I, I feel like just now mm-hmm. I'm feeling better about getting back into, like, actually performing again Mm -hmm. because I've had time to kind of, I think like really sit with how, how theater and pursuing theater and pursuing performances like made me feel about myself. And I think for a long time it made me feel really bad. I think uh, it's, it's interesting too, because that that's the opposite side. Like the, the director that looks at it as a hard decision on the opposite side, you looking at it as a hard decision to even go. Yeah. You know, both like it's it's just like it re- I really do boil it down to the culture because both ends of this think it's a hard decision. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because of how it is rather than what they're think what they think is possible. Yeah. Totally. And it's crazy. It's crazy for sure. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. There's it's and I think that when, you know, I'm going in feeling like if I don't get this, like I'm going to be crushed. And I'm going to go in and I know they're not going to pick me. And I know this stuff, right? Like, and I feel like I held those things as being really true, even though they ne- weren't necessarily true. That mm-hmm. made it harder to like love, love it. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm not, I mean, that it's a journey and like, it'll always change. And I think I'm in a healthier place with it now mm-hmm. where I can go in and be like, not take it as personally or just, you know, just not like care as much. Because there are other things that I know I'm I'm good at and things that I like to do and that I can feel really, you know, fulfilled from an emotional place of, like, watching my students. And that's, you know, like, really, um, it feels really good. Like, uh, having kids, and, like, it's theater and it's music and it's dance and it's all this stuff that, like, you know, I had a good experience with and then I feel good about being able to give them a good experience and, like, really hoping that they never feel sad when they do theater, I think, is, like, a lot of what – I'm, like, getting emotional about it. But, like, you know, I think it's, like, what um, makes it really hard. People are like, well, do you want to teach forever? And, like, I don't know if I want to do what I'm doing now forever because it's a lot of work. Yeah. But, like, 
if I, I don't know, it just feels like if I can really, really hopefully at least make some kids like not feel like so sad, like the way that I felt like so sad Mm -hmm. about theater while still loving it, you know, it's like the Mm -hmm. one thing that I love like the most in this world, but like also the thing that causes me the most like grief. I don't want that for any of my students. And like, I really hope that, you know, that's something I can like accomplish as a teacher is Mm -hmm. like not ever putting them in a situation or position to feel the kind of like, um, like doubt and the, the kind of like heartbreak that, um, that theater sometimes I think made me feel when I was like in it and growing up and learning. Um, and I mean, I can't solve everything. I can only mitigate, you know, as much as, as I possibly can. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, and I think that like it makes it very appealing to continue to teach because it, it, it'd be cool if, if I could, you know, accomplish that, making it a good place for them to be. I think you, uh, I mean, I've, I've only seen a little bit of your teaching. I sat in for like one singer for a second. Um, uh, but I don't know. I, I've have been in any of your classes. I just know you as a person and I feel like you're very impassioned about what you do. And I feel like, uh, you're a great singer. I have heard you sing. (laughs) Thank you. Um, and, uh, and I definitely, it, it's one of those things you get a vibe from people when you talk to them about certain things and you're like, what do you do? And they're like, Oh, like you can tell with you, I'm asking you about all of the things you like and you're going a million miles a minute. (laughs) Yeah. And that's how I am too. The second I get in passion, I'm like, Oh, well I could talk about that, I guess. But besides that, I'm like, Hey, yeah. Yeah. It's a good day. You know, I'm just like kind of chilling until all of a sudden I'm, passion if you ask me about something else i'll find a way to bring it back to like so theater education is actually really important because yeah music education or dance education or like you definitely yeah. you definitely care about it a lot yeah and that's that's like i would love to sit sit in and, and watch you do stuff that'd be yeah. great I mean, uh yeah. i will i will I have, I have time um at some point uh i was gonna ask you because we kind of like kind of diverged a yeah, little sorry. bit on a tangent it's okay that's what we do um yeah. Uh, so in college, mm-hmm. maybe we should just streamline it and then we'll talk after. Yeah, sure. Uh, so this is you, the first podcast I've been on. So I, I'm good. not, you know, no, you're, I know. you're, you're natural. Literally like, like <laughs> podcast rule number one is just don't let there be a lot of dead time. Oh, great. That's like it. Just I somebody needs one. to be talking. That's it. <laughs> like, yeah, you should do a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You should do it. It's just like me talking about the nuances of Elle Woods for like nine hours. Literally you could, somebody would listen to <laughs> yeah. it. You could set up a YouTube channel with just yourself where you talk to a screen and yeah. just upload it. It's like this is yeah, like and then just hopefully someone will watch it. It's yeah, like, I mean, and all my free time. Yeah, with all your free time yeah. that you totally have. Um, so, uh, Music Man, what did you do after Music Man? And can you give me like the shows you did, your role? Let's mm-hmm. just like list them. Yeah, Music Man happened. Then I did um, You're in Town. Nice. Which was awesome. I played Penelope Pennywise, who is the operator of Amenity Number no. Nine. She's piss girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and she sings a song called "Privilege to Pee," which is it's really a privilege fun. Privilege to pee. Yeah, it was really, really fun. Really hard and challenging. And I'd love to do it again now that I'm a better singer and grown. So. I saw that production. That was great. Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, uh, yeah, great, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I remember it very well because there was a wall of sound that came from it, and I hadn't seen that at UNR for a little bit. Yeah. And so when it hit, I was like, oh my gosh. I was yes. like, wow. It was super fun. Yeah, it was a great, I love that show. It's super weird. Yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a show that like, 
I don't know if you experienced this with like things that you did when you were younger and then you're like, oh, I like want to do it now. Like that I'm, you know, it's just something like I want to do again now that I'm mm-hmm. like older and wiser and some things. Whatever. Yes. But yes. Yeah, so like mm-hmm. loved, loved uh, you're in town. And then we did like a, a rev- like a review kind of situation um, called turning points, which was like a musical review that I did. Um, and then I also did, so I did uh, Carmen, the opera. I did magic flute, the opera, um, the opera as a bird woman. It's a piss girl and a bird woman the same year. Um, and then I did, um, uh, uh, oh, okay. Well, and then, um, Spring Awakening. Oh, who were you in that? I was Martha. Nice. Martha, Martha. Martha. Um, the one who sings, uh, The Dark I Know Well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that was a really fun show and we, um, had a one night only performance because, um, COVID happened. That's right. And the entire show got shut down. Um, and then my birthday was on March 16th, which is when Campy campus, uh, closed officially, officially. And then, um, we were locked down for like a year. I remember that. So, well, I yeah. was, I saw the imaginary invalid that night. Okay. On, uh, at on the 16th RLT. of March. No, um, maybe it was the 16th of March. Like right before. Like, yeah. So uh, I was stage managing Noises Off mm-hmm. at Good Luck Macbeth. Mm-hmm. We had two, we had one, two weekends of the show, something like that. And then we were into one of our weekends. We had a Wednesday night, we had a Thursday night, and then we came in on Friday and they said, hey, we don't know what's going to happen. We'll discuss contingency later, but we're not performing this weekend anymore. Yeah. And so. RLT is, but they are only performing tonight because they are not allowed to perform ever. They're technically not supposed to perform tonight. However, they are letting friends and family in Mm -hmm. for free and saying that it is a rehearsal. I think that's what we did for uh, mm -hmm. for Spring Awakening as well. Yeah, Yeah. so they could get away with it rights-wise and stuff. Because it wasn't during the weekend or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it it just like worked out. So I saw it, and it was the trippiest thing because uh, Imaginary Invalid – is uh, Moliere, I believe. Okay, sure. Um, but it's just weird because it's a weird show, and like Act Two comes in, and when it yeah, it's okay. When when Act Two comes in, like they keep introducing new characters that you're like, oh, you're the second act character that comes in and ties something up. No, they just keep introducing new characters that are just like, here's new plot lines, and you're like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm confused. And by the end of it. The entire cast comes out with plague masks on. All of them. And I was watching, I was like, this is weird. I was like, this is some like fitting. some signage or something. Somebody's Whoa. here right now. And, and that like, was the last night that you were out before like lockdown? Before lockdown, that was the last the very last thing that wow. I did like in public with people. Yeah. Yeah, that's nuts. It was my birthday. It was my twenty 20- second birthday my friends had a party they were like we're having a party and i was like okay and then i like didn't see my friends for like a year after mm. the birthday party it was like yeah it was nuts seeing like one person yeah it two was people totally literally yeah. like it was so crazy that yeah that spring awakening yeah it was very like we we also had like it was an open rehearsal and we did like a zitz probe first so we had mm. the band and then we did the performance with just the piano and like 200, three, like so many people showed up. People mm-hmm. were literally like standing. They were sitting on the floor. Like mm-hmm. so many people came. It was a really, I mean, I, I'm not like a huge silver lining person because I want to like embrace and feel all the emotions, even when they're bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but a really beautiful, a beautiful part of that experience, even though it was tragic and heartbreaking and the start of 
I think probably one of the worst years of all of our lives. Um, it was to be held and embraced by the community in that way was like, it was amazing. Like every, like so many people came and they were like crying and like laughing and clapping and they were like so involved. And it was like really a beautiful thing to be like sent into literal hell with. But you know, it was like, it was really cool, cool theatrical experience. So you did that Mm -hmm. and then closed that immediately. Yes. And then that, that did not happen again. Um, And then, we came back and we did another kind of review, mm-hmm. um, Bruised and Brave, which was like a filmed thing, which was really cool mm. and fun. And I got to choreograph one of my own pieces. Our audition prompt was to like, we auditioned with a, a song and then if we got a callback, we had to re-sing our audition song but put movement to it. Mm. Um, so I did like a chest up um, gestural choreography thing to Youth by Daughter, which is mm. Daughter's one of my favorite yeah. bands. And they loved it, and they were like, can we put this in the show, and, like, will you choreograph it? And I was like, uh, mm. okay, like, that's cool. Um, and I had taken choreography with Nate Hodges, who is the choreographer and dance so professor. Good. He's, like, one of my favorite people in the entire world. Um, I, I only know of him, but, like, uh, I remember from You're in Town, that was the one. Seeing the choreography in that, I was like, who did this? And they were like, it's Nate. Nate. He's from, like, San Francisco and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I, was like, I gotta meet him at some point. Yeah. So as another another named character role that made, I was just, I couldn't, wasn't in the dance ensemble. It was so hard heartbreaking because he was it was so, the choreography was so great but yeah um uh we had some technical difficulties happens uh, sorry about it Our camera overheated anyway we were talking about choreography and mm-hmm. uh you getting into choreography i believe it was specifically from an audition that you had yes, for bruised and brave were you saying youth from daughter, daughter. Uh-huh. yeah mm-hmm. and um i had taken nate's choreography class um, he was my choreography teacher for my dance degree, which was super cool, and I had a great time. And um, was like, yeah, this is really fun. I love doing this, and I'm gonna take all the other, you know, levels of choreography. And then he was like, they were just like, we really want you to like make this into a full piece if you feel comfortable, and um, Nate will like mentor you. And I was like, okay, like that. It just felt, you know, very good, and I felt very special. And ended up um, actually having Nate dance in it, which was really fun. Nice. Um, and that was really cool and scary to like be teaching my teacher mm. my movement um, and all of my peers too. I had, I guess, like, I think it was like maybe eight dancers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, my f- two friends helped me with uh, an arrangement. So it was guitar, cello, and violin was mm. the musical arrangement we did of it. And I danced in it and um, my friends also danced in it. It was very cool, very fun. Um, it was a big hit, but I really liked it. Hmm. Um, and then I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to like continue to do choreography and I ended up, um, so that was bruised and brave. And then, um, I guess that was my like last year. That was like my final year. Um, I also ended up doing a piece for the fall dance festival, which was like an outdoor site specific work. Um, so this was not through musical theater, but that was through the dance department. Mm -hmm. So I choreographed that, which was super fun as well. Um, I really enjoyed that. I did, um, oh, I was also a part of a, a residency, Rosie Herrera, who's an incredible, um, choreographer and dance maker. Um, and I think, I believe now she's based in Miami. Um, she came through and, uh, set a work on us, um, mm. 
on some people who auditioned. So I got to do that. It was a week long residency. It was awesome. She was super cool. So I kind of did a lot of dancing at the tail end of my time at school mm-hmm. um, and ended up, you know, spending a lot of time with the dance faculty and my friends in the dance department, which was amazing and really, I think, also very healing and good for me to kind of kind of take a step back from some musical theater stuff. Um, Cause I think I was, it was kind of wearing on me a bit at that point. Um, and then I graduated and then I came back and auditioned for um, Little Women and A Midsummer Night's Dream mm-hmm. at UNR and then ended up getting cast in A Midsummer Night's Dream as Titania, the Queen of the Fairies, which rocked with Rosie Brownlow Calkin as my director. And she is one of my favorite people. And again, coming back to me feeling really like, well, I should play Helena because she's like, a girl who is like love sick and being rejected. And I'm like, that's my casting is Helena. Mm. I'm funny and goofy and all this stuff. And Rosie was like, obviously I need you as Titania. And I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> Titania. I like, you know, I, and I had just newly like cut my hair super short and I was just like feeling my butch fantasy and all this stuff. And like, I've gone through a lot of like through the pandemic, like my gender. And I was just like, what is it? And like, you know, what all the stuff. And then Rosie was like, hit me with, you're the queen of the fairies. And I was like, whoa. And it was so awesome. It was such an awesome learning experience and um, felt really cool and was really hard um, inside. I think for lots of, like it was inside of myself. I felt really like, I don't know what I'm doing. Am I doing this right? Like, am I being powerful and like queenly and feminine enough? And like, and then I was like, well, I guess I'm kind of like a sexless, like genderless, eternal, immortal being. So, mm-hmm. Fuck it. And that really worked for me. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. um, and then I, at the same time, got hired to work as a teaching artist for Lake Tahoe Shakespeare Festival, which is one of my main main jobs. So I work uh, not up at the lake because I, um, or at least not, not all year, during the fall and spring and winter, I am in classrooms around the Washoe County area teaching um, Shakespeare workshops, teaching the plays specifically, doing like Shakespearean acting workshop and like text analysis with drama departments. I've taught classes on rhetoric (laughs) to like AP Lang classes using Shakespeare. So that's like what I do during the day. Um, And then in the summer I do an abridged, um, the young Shakespeare performance. So the one that we do in tour to libraries and stuff. It's like the Lake Tahoe's main stage show, but an hour long for kids. Mm -hmm. So I act in that during the summer, which is really fun. Um, so it was kind of cool to like have my Lake Tahoe job start and do Midsummer at the same time because mm-hmm. I was actively in training and just kind of my training was basically like doing four hour long like Shakespeare seminars and getting paid to learn about Shakespeare. It rocked. It's great. So, yeah. That sounds great. And now I'm kind of like here. And kind of, now you're kind of like here. Yeah. That's like the last kind of Midsummer was the last uh, big the theater performance I did. I've done some dance stuff since. But. Are you directing right now? Right now, I am. Um, I'm choreographing Peter Pan Jr. I'm choreographing right now, yeah. With uh, Sierra School of the Performing Arts. That's my main project this uh, this uh, semester, this season. Um, I am also uh, gonna actually start really soon. I'm I'm like in the process of casting for a staged reading at GLM, um, mm-hmm. part of their New Works initiative. So I'm, mm-hmm. I I just did a staged reading actually with them back in it's like, August or something? It's like a month or two. I, I just remember seeing it on Lily's story. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. With Lily and mm-hmm. Alexis Pedotti and, um, 
one of Rosie B's, Rosie Brownell's friends, actually. So, yeah, I did uh, a pretty, it was a really cool new work, and I'm the same, it's the same, uh, like, division of GLM that's doing it. So, mm-hmm. another new work that I'm doing a staged reading of um, that's set to open. We're going to do a, a performance of it um, this Saturday after Thanksgiving. And the playwright's going to come, which is cool. So we get to get some feedback and, like, talk about it. So, yeah, it's, like, about a month away. So I'm doing some casting now. I'm going to get started on rehearsals. And and I'm teaching first year school of the performing arts as well. I'm teaching three classes for them right now. So a Little Sprouts drama class and a Broadway song and dance class. And then um, I'm co-teaching a a voice and performance class. So Janet um, Lazarus, the... Uh, the owner and director of Sierra School takes them for like acting stuff, and then I work on um, do like vocal coaching with them, which is a really fun class to teach. I love it, um, and it's kind of like audition readiness. So we work on like an audition cut and like mm-hmm. you know solidifying something for them to like, so they can leave with a pretty solid um, thing to take to auditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, that's my my winter, my fall winter is what that was looking like. And then I kind of got a lot of a lot of stuff lined up for the spring, so that. Kind of leads me. So I have two more questions yeah. for you, um, but one of them might be. It might take a second to get through. It was. Uh, so you're doing stuff in the spring, and yep. I do want. That's kind of like on the path of this question. I was going to ask you what's next for you, mm-hmm. um, creatively, uh, but uh, beyond the things you've already signed up for in the yeah. spring, um, what like goals do you have? You know, like you. You say uh, sometimes you say you know I don't know if I want to be a teacher forever, forever. right? Um, so in that sense, what other things do you want to do? What things do you want to do forever, and wh- where do you see yourself twenty years from now? Yeah, um, it's a, I, I it's a great question for me to think about, and ask myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I um, am really trying hard not to let the discomfort of me being out of school push me into grad school right away mm-hmm. um, because I think it's important for me to like be in the field, like be in the world of, you know, community and like regional theater and, you know, working with Lake Tahoe and continuing to like develop my own projects. Um, but there's a lot of learning that I would love to do still um in an academic setting with that kind of like support and like research you know like being a part of an Mm -hmm. institution um i think a lot of my journey at unr was it was so necessary and i'm so glad i had it and it felt incredibly exploratory in a way that i needed so badly and i'm forever grateful for all of my professors who were like yeah like fuck it sure you can choreograph or like take a dance class or like what yeah do opera do musical theater like they were so um supportive of that and i think that i would love to have the opportunity to go back to uh, into academia with a little bit more of like a hone a honed and focused like mm-hmm. intensive experience um once i've kind of continued to figure out what makes me tick and what i really want to focus that time and money and, and, and stuff on. Mm-hmm. Um, um, not, and not because I didn't get good training or information from UNR, but it was just, mm-hmm. it was a less like, uh, uh, zeroed in experience than I think I might like to have some at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, grad school potentially is down the line. Um, there are some mm-hmm. really fantastic programs that are focused on, um, uh, theaters for young audiences and communities specifically. Mm. So, um, and it's not just, uh, like, I think that for me, it's not just doing uh, theater that is has kids in it, but, like, what does programming theater for young people look like? Mm. How do you make theater accessible to young 
younger audiences and like I feel like we've all had this experience of like you know you remember you know your mom taking you or your dad or whatever caregiver taking you to the theater and you're itchy and your clothes and your shoes hurt and you have to be quiet and it's hot and you're hungry and you're tired and you and, and you have to sit still and it's like then you kind of have this like weird negative association with like the experience of theater or going to the orchestra or going to a dance ballet or whatever like um and, and I think that there's absolutely, like, a time and a place for these, like, very elevated, you know, whatever. Like, I'm not saying that we need to, like, completely abolish all things about, like, how we experience theater now. I just think there's a lot of room for, like, alternative experiences um, so that more people can enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, you know, the people, the littlest people that we want to, like, continue to do it. Um, and that they can love it and feel embraced by it. Um, even if they're not in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like mm-hmm. how I'm creating and generating and programming shows that aren't just like, you know, Princess Storytime Hour, which is mm-hmm. great. And I love Princess Storytime Hour, but like engaging, thought provoking, beautiful pieces of art that are like also appropriate and accessible and engaging for children mm-hmm. and, and teenagers, right? And mm-hmm. young people. Um, and then communities. How can you do engaging, um, relevant, important poignant all the things work that can engage everybody not just artists that's not um maybe the easiest movie uh musical revival or whatever which is fine and is floats some people's boat but there's uh, there's just more there's more out there right like stuff that is relevant to the community specifically like taking into account the people in the community the experiences of the community like um, the demographic, like, w- like who are the people that live here? Like, what are the, pro- the prominent, um, like, races and, like, ethnic groups and, like, religions? And, like, I'm not, not the person to make all of that theater, but, right, because I'm, you know, me, and I don't have all that background and experience, um, you know, of all those groups. But, like, if I were to be an arts administrator in a town or, or a city um, or for a specific theater or whatever, right, like being able to think about um, theater as a means for like community, like bringing community together mm-hmm. in an artistic way and not just for entertainment. I really like that. Um, yeah. And there's lots That's of great cool notion. programs that, yeah, that do that. So, um, and I like that like kind of, it's um, not just one or the other, like thinking about youth and young people and community together and like that um, synthesizing those like approaches to, to theater making and like art making. Um, there's this one program that's overseas actually in the UK that has, um, their theater for young audiences and actor musicianship programs, um, as one. So all of these actors who are also instrumentalists have their own program. Theater for youth is another program and they collaborate a lot. So it's like immersive, engaging, um, performances that use like actors on stage playing music and like teaching kids about music and like, you know, which would also be a super cool experience. So I've kind of been just doing research of like what's out there. Um, and hopefully, you know, with that research, I can kind of pursue things that might help me get into those programs or find out if I even want to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that like, um, continuing to be involved in theater and art making for art's sake, and then also for, um, for like the actual like engagement and bringing together of, of community and of people mm-hmm. um, feels important to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's kind of like long term. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know where that will take me in terms of like, I want to be the head of a, a theater. I want to open my own. Tr- like, I don't, I don't really know right now. I just, I feel very young. It, so- and... it sounds like you're on a path though. Yeah. That's and the and thing. there's it... lots of results at the end. It could yeah. be that I open my own theater or that I'm an arts administrator for mm-hmm. a theater or I become a professor or I, I pursue performing and I do strictly um, like children's productions. Like mm-hmm. I'm, you know, which I would love to do. Like, yeah. I want to get into puppets too. This is kind of like not like I I would love to be a puppet person. I think that the Muppets rock. I think Sesame Street rocks. I I really value those kinds of like children's programming for television. Like I I don't know if I would want to do TV specifically, but how bringing that kind of like you know, like Mr. Rogers, Sesame Street, mm-hmm. um blues clues even like classic blues clues i babysit so i watch a lot of kids shows and the kids shows today i find to be just not as and i'm just nostalgic and remembering my own childhood right but like in this like gentle tender engaging lovely way that like you know um i think theater could benefit from too and like um or i don't know if you ever did you ever listen to raffi when you were little yeah. yeah. He's a he's a singer-songwriter that did kids music. Mm. He does um he wrote a lot of songs and then also covered a lot of them, but you know the song that's like Baby Beluga in the deep blue sea swims so wild and he swims so free heaven above and the sea below just a little white whale on the go. You know that song? I haven't heard that song. Oh, was... Baby Beluga, <laughs> Baby Beluga. Um, is the water warm? Is your mommy home with you? So happy. It's so sweet. But he would play it in these, like, I had him on cassette tape. I would listen to Raffi on tape. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and, but there are these amazing, like, amazing videos of him playing to, like, arenas full of children. Like, oh, my God. And it's, like, from, like, the 90s, like, 80s, 90s. But it's just this guy, Raffi, who's this sweet, you know, he's like a kind of like, like really intense, like um, environmentalist on Twitter. Who's like, our planet is dying. And I'm like, go off. Yes. <laughs> Love you. Um, uh, oh, and it, yeah. And he, it's like this super cute. Um, he has, he calls like when he like meets kids that used to listen to him, he calls them like beluga graduates where it's like all mm. these, like, I know these like 20 somethings who are like, I listen to Raffi and he's like, Oh my gosh, it's just very sweet. But like, to- if I could be like a Raffi superstar of just like, that would be so amazing. Just like singing these silly, sweet songs about like being a good person and like brushing your teeth and like how to love yourself and like mm. and and it's so impactful. So like yeah. I don't know, just stuff like um I, I don't wanna like and it's not just because I wanna feel important, like and I change the world, I'm amazing, but like, you know, I think I used to just believe that the only way I could feel and be impactful and be special is like if I was like a Broadway star, because that's what they tell you when you're like you know, that's what's idolized, but I think it would be also really cool to like, that, that's, that's, it, it can still be life, like world changing mm-hmm. on the level of like, you know, a, a little kid that is like, learns something from some silly song you wrote or seeing Charlotte's Web and they really liked it. And they'll give you more energy back than any adults. Yeah, will. totally. They'll, they'll love it. They'll yeah. love it more than anything else. And the and the adults and the adults that are with the kids too, I think that a lot of the feedback um, that I've gotten from parents and caregivers and aunts and uncles and grandparents, like you know, they come up to you after the shows too, that the kids are in or you perform for the kids and them. You know, there's so many of like, I've never seen them ever do 
anything like that. And like, thank you so much. And it's like, yeah, it makes me feel good. Cause I got there, you know, it, I did a good job, but it's like, that is like so much better than, than like, you know, mm-hmm. than anything else of yeah. like having a parent near tears. Always, I don't want them crying, but being like, I had no idea my kid could do that. Yeah. Like, and I don't care if they do, you know, theater forever, whatever. Yeah. But it makes that one presentation that they have to give so much easier, right? Because mm-hmm. they're like, well, I, I like did like th- I did three like entire choreographed numbers from memory when I did like that one theater camp. So I guess I can like give this presentation in front of the class. hundred percent. Like teaching life skills through performing mm-hmm. arts, mm-hmm. continuing down a path of like providing that. However, it's however a real I thing can. for sure. People don't think about it, but no. it's real. The study of how we all interact with each other, maybe. Huh. It's crazy. Huh. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel about improv. I would love, this is like a short-term goal, goal, but I would love to like have, I know we have, well, we have Reno Improv, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. They do so mm-hmm. many cool things, workshops and shows and like they rock. Um, but like for more like improv stuff for kids would be super fun. Um, what I loved about, so comedy sports is what I did in high school, but they're like a, so they're like a, a main stage, like improv theater and then they have like a high school league so those actors would come and be our like coaches it's all like sports themed um but um they did a lot of like adult like synergy workshops they would go into like companies and do like improv with like you know people who were like learning how to do teamwork and my coach would just say like i mean sometimes it's a little bit like a kind of a slog but like there are some amazing things that like come out of these people who just sit at their desk all day, they don't talk to one another and they like don't know how to work together doing some silly scene. And it's like, <laughs> it changes everything. Yeah. So teamwork. Yeah. It makes the dream work. It makes the dream work. Like so hard. So, um, yeah, like hopefully, um, you know, something, but I'm, I'm trying not to like, you know, give myself too much of like a time limit right now. Never, I'm never can. Yeah. I'm really trying to like, just say yes to things if it feels like it's gonna, you know, feed my artistic spirit and soul and also taking into account like, you know, finances, like accepting, trying not to only take things that are going to be like, well, this makes more money. So I have to do this. Right. Like, um, and I, I know that I'm, I'm like lucky enough to be in a position right now where I'm like not necessarily needing to only take stuff that pays a lot. Um, because also I'm, I'm really lucky to be getting a lot of offers so I can take one that is going to be my meat and potatoes and I can take one that's not going to pay much, but it feels like it's going to be exciting. So I feel very grateful to the community mm-hmm. for continuing to trust me <laughs> mm-hmm. and wanting to work with me and work with their kids and work with their companies because, um, you know, I don't have to really work a lot of really shitty jobs, uh, survival jobs. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really grateful. And, I, and I'm and i very aware that, uh, you know, right? Uh, it's It's like... There's seasons of it. I'm sure that there will be less seasons of um like fruitfulness in my future where it will be a, little, a bit tougher. But right now I'm pretty good. I have one more question for mm-hmm. you. Um, and this is uh, – it doesn't have to be long. Okay. I was wondering – you already kind of did it. I was wondering if you could sing a little for us. Okay. Maybe like – if you're okay with it, like 30 seconds of like something that – you would be like an audition song of some sort, something that would show you off in a certain light, whatever light that is. I don't, oh, man. it doesn't matter. Like if you want to work on one mm. of your different tones you were speaking of as you are evolving as a vocal artist. Great. But just something that you're like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I guess maybe like a, a demo uh, of like, you know, 
I I can um I'm I'm okay yeah so like <laughs> um for so I guess like for example like um if I were to go in and like try to audition for um something that I would say is in my, like, it's actually funny because, like, I've been uh, practicing so much on my, like, contemporary mix speech belt stuff. I haven't really visited a lot of my golden age in a really long time. Mm. So I feel weirdly, like, oh, this feels, like, foreign to me. Mm. Um, um, but recently I was uh, I was listening to um, the new recording of The Music Man that was released, mm. which I have lots of opinions about <laughs> because I think that... Um, I don't really love Sutton Foster's take on Marion Peru, but oh, that's okay. Snap. And I know that a lot of people are like disagreeing with me, but there's no reason to belt my white knight. It doesn't have to happen. So for example, <clears throat> I'm very cold. I've been yelling at children all day, but I will, you know, not yelling, <laughs> gently um, <Nurturing>. encouraging <laughs> with a projected voice. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so... Um, so a more like leg- uh, legit golden age, a closer to like a more classical style, right, of singing that I would say um, I feel like is like where my background is at. Um, I could either do something from Music Man. I could also sing. Ah, I'll do Sound of Music. That's better. Great. Uh, so, um, okay. Oh, I feel so nervous. <laughs> um, mm, uh, my, my, my. Day in the hills has come to an end. I know a star has come out to tell me it's time to go. But deep in the dark green shadows are voices that urge me to stay. So I pause and I wait and I listen for one more sound, for one more lovely thing that the hills might say. The hills are alive with the sound of music. Right? Like, softer, so liltier. Nice. Heavy vibrato. Not heavy, but like, you know, vibrato. Yeah. Ah, that wiggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm not singing. I'm, like, also really worried about, like, blowing this mic out by, like, singing full out. Um, so, right, uh, that's that. And then I've been working on, let me see, like, um... Contemporary. Right now, all I can think of. Okay, so there's a song right now um, that I've been. It's it's not um, a musical theater song, but it's something I want to put in my book for like uh, more like pop rock musicals. Mm-hmm. So like uh, Spring Awakening, American Idiot, like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's by um, John Allison Weiss, who's like this kind of like indie artist, um, and the song's called "I Was an Island," and that's really good. So uh, less Golden Age, more like contemporary whiny stuff. Um, I was an I was an I was an island. Na 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 na. So I was an island, and I was so brave. But you uh, put your hand. Oh no! I was an island. Oh, I was an island until you came along. Put your boat in my sand, hand in my hand, heart in my song. Oh, I was a fighter. And I was so brave, but you uh, tell me and swore you'd stay, stay, stay. Oh, I can't do this alone anymore. 
Cause I'm not on my own anymore. What did I do to deserve this? What did you do to me? Baby, come back. You know I don't want to be free. Different, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing when I got it totally when you're like more contemporary and, I, and you start doing stuff and I was like, why does this kind of sound like Dear Evan Hansen at certain with the yeah. little things you're doing with your voice? Cracks, whines, yeah. Step out, oh, yeah. like all that shit. You're like, wait, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, right, like, yeah, the, oh, it's all like you're about to cry. Whatever it is. Even turn the key. <laughs> yeah, before. the whole thing. It's like yodeling all the time. <laughs> Straight tone, like yeah, like. Um, steps out, step out of the sun. Yeah. If you keep getting burned. Also, mm-hmm. it sounds like I'm talking. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a, it very much, that's what I was listening to. I was like that very similar tone, uh, which is probably the same tone as all of the things those people write. Didn't they write everything? Pascal Paul. That, that's coming out like currently. Yes. Yeah. Like, and it, yes. it just all kind of, Durban, I mean, Durban is and, like the same kind yeah. of ish mm-hmm. like if i were to go listen to the greatest showman i it's think they did that it's literally kind of parallel the same you will be found and this is near the same song yeah they're the same song yeah they're both fine songs but they're the same song. they are the andrew lloyd weber for a new generation <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> um yeah so like and, and it's been fun because i like never i love i love pop punk music i love fallout boy i love pierce the veil i love um uh, My Chemical Romance, and I love um, uh, All Time Low, right? Um, I, and I, they're really, um, they're very theatrical. They're the, very close to musical theater I've in lots of ways. I always thought that the album The Black Parade by mm-hmm. My Chemical Romance was a musical. Yeah. Every time I listen to it, I'm like, this is a musical for sure. And you want to know, it's because they're... They're expressive, narrative-based songs. Mm. I don't know if you do you listen to Panic at the Disco at all. Yep. Pretty odd. Mm-hmm. That yep. album feels listens like a, like a musical. When the Day Met the Night is like a big divertissement, like dance number mm-hmm. thing that like totally belongs to the musical. So I've been doing a lot of like pop punk stuff to like put mm-hmm. in my book because I think it's just like a fun, good time. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, and I I said before like I spent so much time in choir. Um, I spent a lot of time in choir. I spent a lot of time doing ensemble singing. I did not spend a lot of time doing solo singing. And I had a really, really, your voice is so pretty. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, my voice is pretty. And I would, I was so afraid of like making sounds that weren't pretty. Mm. Um, and if you're ever in my studio at Take Two and you listen to me teach, I it's like I'm to myself and also to my students where it's just like, you have to stop singing like you want it to be pretty. Because that's not where, like, interesting sound is made, and that's not where, like, um, we find, like, your voice. So I think I'm also kind of on this journey of, like, finding what my voice is outside of being beautiful or pretty. It's a very musical theater thing you just said, because I tell people that shit all the time. Something you probably tell people, which is, like, anyone can sing. Everyone has has vocal cords, unless you don't. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So unless you don't, you can sing. You have a voice. You have lungs Um, and a larynx, so it can happen. Like, I always point out that, but then I'll be like, uh, if somebody's like, well, I don't have a good voice, you know, Mm -hmm. um, then I'll be like, great. Musical theater, tons of people don't have good voices. And they'll be like, like who? And I'll be like, the one that comes to mind always, who's like not necessarily the ba- the worst voice, is Nathan Lane. Like, sure, yeah. The quality of La- Nathan Lane's voice is not necessarily something if you heard by itself, it would be desirable. Yeah, totally. But, you know, Hakuna Matata has been heard by literally everyone. I mean, 
I mean, Robin Williams too. Robin Williams is a. I. I mean, love him. He's obviously, Robin Williams. He's Robin Williams. But he's. I wouldn't say that he's like a singer first. He's not a singer first. No. Which is okay. But that's. But no, it's so true. Yeah. And if you want to be singing, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like. This like, and I'm kind of quoting from one of my favorite books, which is called "The Right to Speak" by Patsy Rotenberg. But she has like a whole section. It's like the myth of the good voice, right? Mm. Like, it's it, it. There's a myth of a good voice and the myth of the bad voice. Like they don't exist. They don't really exist, right? Mm. Like, and in the same way with our bodies, right? We there's a lot of really intense um, baggage and and like trauma we all carry mm-hmm. around our voice, and like. Because we're told we're too loud or we're told we talk too fast or we're told that we need to be louder or that your accent is weird or you say this funny or all, you know, and then you're told that and you like carry that with you Mm -hmm. all the time. I'm like the third child and I I like know that I push to be heard and I talk really fast because I'm like, if I don't get this idea out, like we're going to change the topic and I need to share what I'm going to say. Right. Because I like was the baby. Mm Um, and my family are awesome. They're awesome listeners and engaging, you know, conversationalists. But like, I think that I felt a lot of the time, like I, uh, you know, what I want to talk about later, like the little sister or whatever. Um, and that just, I think has, it reflects itself in that I, I push, I like talk really loud. I talk really fast. Mm-hmm. I get really excited. And then mm-hmm. I feel, and then immediately after I'm done talking, I feel shame. Why? Because it's, I said too much. Mm. I'm too much. Which is also like a, a woman thing, I think. Mm. But like, it, but it's about your like your voice. And there are some people who are the opposite, where people are always like, "Speak up, speak up, you're too speak up, you're too quiet." And mm. then they're like, oh, "I'm too, I'm quiet, I'm quiet, I'm quiet, I'm quiet, and I yeah. can't make sound. I'm quiet." And then they tell themselves that, and then they get to the voice studio, and they're like, "I I can't make sound." Mm-hmm. And you're like, and then you know, and then after a couple of weeks, they're like, tell a joke or they laugh, and they're like, "Ah, ha, 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 ha. I can't make sound." And you're like, you literally just did, right? It's like, you, so you you all can. You can do it. But we have weird, we're just weird shit weird surrounding stigma. it. Totally. Yeah. So just, you know, a lot of, like a lot of voice work, it doesn't feel like singing. Sometimes it just feels like breaking down all of those like weird walls and barriers by like having people go like, ah, for like 15 minutes. I, I like that you've been <laughs> passionate and that you, I, li- I like the way that you talk in into all of it just because, um. Cause it's engaging. That's all it is. Oh, it's very engaging. You're very animated. I I like it. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I I think I don't feel as much shame as I I used to. Yeah. But I I like want to honor and like sh- you know express that. I think and I feel like we've all been there, right? Where it's like you say something and then you're like, why did I? If you're I... in theater, if you haven't <laughs> experienced shame in some form yeah, for after doing your mouth. something, whatever it was, <laughs> then you're not really in theater. Maybe. Yeah, you got it. Or you're yeah, you're not making I guess bold enough like. Bold enough, yeah. Or you just mm-hmm. really don't care, I guess, about or what people think of you. Just living your life. You're living your best life. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's been a cool journey to, like, find some, like, ugly, ugly, bad sounds for myself. Mm-hmm. Because I just don't think I was, like, I can't, like, you know, then it's, like, and it's always, like, what's the worst going to happen? You make up sounds kind of, like, bad and ugly, and then it is, like, over, and you've probably discovered something new about yourself and your voice, and that will help you learn mm-hmm. and grow. Because if you just, like, are really concerned with sounding pretty, you're not going to, like, change. Answer, so. There's answers in all of it. Totally. Sure. Um, yeah, so. And that's good. It's good that you were, like, can you just sing? I was, like, oh, God, it's going to sound bad. And, like, but people are going to be, like, why is this woman wow. talking about singing? But it's good. It's healthy to do for me to do that. Yeah. Just sing, and there's no t- strings attached to it. It's okay. <laughs> sing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for singing. I wanted, I was going to ask Melody to sing earlier. I didn't. And when you, and then when you were coming in, I was like, I need to make sure that Abby does a little bit. Yeah. It's a little bit. Just a little bit. If she wants to. Yeah. If they're good with it. Yeah. Yeah. She's really good, right? I love to sing. Yeah. It's, (laughs) yeah. They're, you know. If you're getting married and you wanted (laughs) just like a stunning vision to just come out of the forest that you're getting married in. Um, and you happen to just have, you know, gas money in five gray, five K, five K. Look, Let's if, I already, know, 5K. if I, know, I already know the song. Four K. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's, I can't hunt falling in love, three K. I've done that a million times. <laughs> she got this. Yeah, I can totally do it's, that. It's probably cheaper if you message her too and you could finagle something, but that's her starting point. Yes, just so you $3, know. $5,000. And then dollars <laughs> And then also food. And, and food and gas. open bar. For me specifically, even yeah. if it's not an open bar at the wedding, for me it is. She sings for, she sings for free. She, sing, she drinks for free. free. I drink for free. <laughs> I drink for free. I sing for drinks. Um, yeah, no, but Jenny, yeah, if you want to, I don't know. You want a wedding singer? Call me. I'll do it. She'll be your Adam Sandler. Yeah, totally. We're both Jewish, so it's kind of like the same thing. We're basically the so same person. they're basically. Uh, you know, have you ever considered being the lead in wedding singer? <laughs> Speaking of another movie musical, I, have, I know I haven't, but now I have. But now, I think that I look. I'm all for gender bending. That would be fun. I haven't listened to the Wedding Singer musical. I like couldn't really be bothered. Right. But you know, it's all right. it's all right. didn't I've, that happen around here recently? Uh, yeah, a couple of years ago. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure, it did. Yeah, a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's all right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's right. I'm sure it's a good time. I mean, like, there's some musicals, too, where I'm like, I'm not offended by them. They're just, like, fun. I'm like, okay, cool. It's just fun. It's mm-hmm. one of those. There are fun moments in it where you're like, oh, yeah. But it's also one of those musicals that, like, I don't necessarily go listen to. Sure. And I, if it's, uh, I'm, if it was playing in a city and I wanted to see a show, I'd see it. But if it was playing in a city and I wanted to see a show and there was more than that show and to wedding see. Singer? Yeah. <laughs> then I'd the probably see something else. Yeah, so. for sure. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I uh I think that might be it. Yeah. Unless there's anything else you wanted to, to bring up, anything you're currently doing, or uh, do you have a website? Do you have uh, an Instagram, a Facebook, places people can go to see anything that you like have, work. like your work, yeah. choreographed work that you have on video or anything like that? Um, yeah, I'm working on my website. Uh, I've been putting it off because building websites is hard. And also, I was I was saying earlier, I don't think you were in the room, but that uh, recently I was in a show and I was like talking with the cast and the directors, the production team, like I really need to get my website up and running. And they were like, we cast everyone in the show based off their Instagram. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So now I have a professional Instagram. Mm. That is Abby S. Rosen underscore music. That's the one. Um, that is where you can find me there. And it's just some like videos of me singing, some of my like kiddos doing choreography. Mm-hmm. More to come. I'm trying to be better about being present on social media, but that's hard for me. Because I don't love it, I I get it. I um, get it. my personal Instagram account is Abby S Rosen. Um, and there's also sometimes some singing stuff there. Um, uh, website to come, and if you're following me on Instagram, the link to the website will be there when it is up and running. Was the S stand for Sarah? Sarah. At the beginning of that's I, right. Yeah, Abigail said, Sarah Ogilvy Rosen. Oh yeah. I, in my mind, I was like, I, I I don't know why. I was like, that doesn't sound like. Never mind. Anyway. Sarah. Sarah. Yeah, that was going to be my name originally, was Sarah. And then it changed to Abby. Yeah, because my brother and sister both have A names, and uh, Alex and Anya. And then my mom was like, her name is Sarah. And my siblings were like, don't do that to her. 
you have to give her an A name. So then they chose Abigail, my which mom, I'm very grateful for. My mom's name Charlene Joan Hamilton, and I am Cody Justin Hamilton. Same initials. Yep. And CGH. I'm, and I'm pretty sure that my grandpa's name was Charles, but his last name was Brackett. I think yeah. it, was, it was Charles J. I don't know what the J was. I'm assuming, but I know his last name was Brackett. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It was. I mean, it's a cute little thing that we share is our A name. So I'm glad that. But it, I'm also, you know, Sarah's still in there. So yeah, Abby S. Rosen. Abby S. Rosen. Yes. Abby S. O. Yeah, A S O R. Yeah, no O. No O for the Ogilby because it's a hard to spell. Ogilby. Yes. O G I L B Y. Um, Instagram. Uh, my website is will be linked there when it's up and running. Um, I mean, I I think that's it. Um, if you want to come see a children's production of, of Peter Pan Jr., <laughs> that's happening at Devonia Ranch High School on December, uh, I think it's 9, 10, and 11 are the performances for that. Um, it's going to be super fun and super cute. Um, I'm going to plug some of the theaters that I work at, and you should go check out their work. So I'm affiliated with the Lake Tahoe Shakespeare Festival, so mm-hmm. you can absolutely mm-hmm. should and, and you know absolutely go in and check out their stuff in the summer. We're a summer house because it is very cold in Lake Tahoe in the winter. Yes, it is. Um, so um, keep you on the lookout for our next season. Um, I also am working with Good Luck Macbeth. Please come to the New Works Initiative um, performances. We literally would be so happy if you came. Um, you're able, you get to fill out surveys about what you liked about the piece and what you didn't like about the piece. We have the playwrights that come. You can do talkbacks and talk about the content of the work. Um, and you know, if you want to f- um, be involved in in a new work, like becoming a solidified, fully realized idea, that's a great way to get involved in doing that is by giving feedback and giving your attention to to this um, new piece of art. Um, so I'm directing that, and that's going to be this Saturday after Thanksgiving. Um, and if you go to GLM's Instagram slash website, their New Works Initiative has information there. Um, I also am affiliated with the Reno Little Theater. <laughs> um, and I'm going to be doing some music direction for them in the spring. So check them out. They have a play right now called Tiny Beautiful Things that I just saw that is amazing. And um, Sierra School of the Performing Arts is the the production uh, is putting on Peter Pan. Um, so if anyone is listening has kiddos, um, Reno Little Theater and Sierra School have amazing programs for children, getting them involved in the arts, getting them um, on stage um, or just in the classroom dancing and moving and learning about theater and acting. Yeah, I think that I think that those are the the main the main places that I'm I'm really is, with. is the next RLT show the Christmas show that they're doing? I'm not sure what their next in the lineup is. I think they're Maybe. doing. A, we we had an interview with uh, Chad and Melissa this morning. Oh, amazing! Um, and is, it might be uh, the How to Survive Your Family at Christmas. That's I think it. That's, that's yeah. it. Yeah, I just want to um, because of where this will be released. Oh, because they, they said like they didn't know when it was going to release either, so they plugged it. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking about it after. I was like, oh, it's going to be way out. Like, yeah, where their episode won't be up for a while. So. Um, uh, the Christmas show. What was the name? How to survive your How to survive your family at Christmas. That's probably what's playing currently or going up at RLT um, next. Yes. For when this episode's being released. Lovely. Yeah. Peter Pan is happening in December too. Peter Pan. If you want to go and see Peter Pan, that's happening in December. Yeah, I think I said nine, ten, eleven. And also, this will probably we'll we'll try to make this come out around when the new works were coming out. So okay, that'll perfect. be fine too. Great. It'll probably end up being around that time anyway. I think. Awesome. Yeah. I don't know the exact date it's like the, the 28th fourth, or something the fourth saturday of the month yes because it, the yes. third thursday is thanksgiving 
it's, and it's that the week Saturday. after Thanksgiving. No, oh, it's, it's that the Saturday. weekend of Thanksgiving. So it's the set the third Saturday of the month. Yes, is, is the, the Saturday you're looking for, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's in the middle of the day. It's two p.m. You can get away from your family uh-huh. should you be in town yes. and not wanting to be around them anymore. Exactly. For two, three hours. Nothing else is going to be open anyway. So what's your excuse? I'll be there. Who's going to be there? Reading stage directions. Um, ready for your five grand. Yeah, so ready for exactly. your or your valuable feedback for this new this new, <laughs> new artist, please. Yes. Um, yeah, we had a pretty good turnout for the last one, but we can always you know more people is always welcome. So um, yeah, I think that that's kind of like I mean that's that's all that's coming down the line for me. In like in that, that's that it. way, yeah. Mm, that's it. It's not much. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Just, that's you know. I know. Um, yeah, definitely there will be more more. Um, uh, more stuff for the spring. I have a lot of love, but I don't really think I can officially announce that yet. No, and no, yeah, NDA. What I'm doing, yeah, just because things change, you know. Things change. Theater is yeah. always there's always don't a million speak it things. You know. it, it, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But uh, knock on wood, slash fingers crossed, it all goes well. There will be at least three pretty major things that you can you can see that I either am in or involved in or creating or whatever. Check so it out. Yeah. She'll she'll post about Keep it. Keep an eye out. Yeah, on my professional Instagram that I will update very diligently. That she's on. She does it. That I do. She does post on a regular Instagram quite a bit. I do. Um. Yeah. Well, I like reading your <laughs> stories all the time because they're all like it's always like uh, I don't want to say normal story. It's always like a stereotypical story. It's like I got a yogurt. Not from you. From other people. I'm like going through my <laughs> yeah. stories. Like I got a yogurt. Look at me and my partner on the beach. And then it's just like, just got done watching this documentary <laughs> about small children who live in the forest in the 1800s and they sing and stuff. And I'm in love. It's, yeah. like, it's something across it's that like me. line. Yeah. It's like, what did I post today where I was like, I was like thinking about a til- children's show where two Muppets have their first dance to It's You I Like from by Mr. Rogers. And I'm like crying in the picture. <laughs> yeah. I was sitting on my couch having my coffee and I was like, like I couldn't. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if you're if you're into like, I don't know, that if you're into it, I if you're I into oversharing, follow me on my personal Instagram. <laughs> I, I like it. I think I, I like it because it makes me laugh sometimes. Um yes. and then other other times I'm just like, What what are you doing right now? You're like, Abby, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, No, I'm not mm-hmm. really. Um I, I think that's it. Great. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for, so much for coming in. Yeah. Thank sorry that I took talents. like literally two hours of your time. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's great. Uh, li- like sometimes we're sitting here, it gets to an hour and then the person is just like, no more. That's it. And we're like, okay. It's only happened a couple times, but um, I like, I like just keep going. I'll never great. stop it unless yeah. it's like, eh, whatever. Yeah. You I know. mean, if there's, yeah, if there's nothing else you need or want to know. Not right now. Then... But I mean, like, well, I, I mean, I do need and want to know well, more. Well, yes, but, of course, yeah. but uh, yes. <laughs> who wouldn't? Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> cool. Yeah, in the in the future, I I mean I had a great time. Well, yeah. We'll, so you know, if you want me back, we'll call you back. We'll, I'll only yeah. charge you two grand. <laughs> It'll only be two grand for <laughs> yeah. you. Because we're buddies. <laughs> yeah, it's my friends and family discount. Friends and family discount. Yeah, and you don't have to give me a, an open bar worth of drinks. Just the two thousand. That's great because yeah. we there's not much alcohol in here. We could get some for you. I mean, I think that, um, I mean, I would, I love drinking, but also, I, <laughs> I <laughs> um, can you edit that out? Just to say, I <laughs> just love kidding, it's fine. Um, no, I love, I mean, I love, I love wine and I love talking 
So if you ever mm. want to do a segment as discussing theater over wine, Down. just invite. I mean, I'll let's do it. I think you know not to like I not to like hop in and um on any like production decisions, but do I it. <laughs> I think that it would be incredibly fun to do a a, a panel a chit chat of friends with wine talking about theater. I think that would be super fun. I'm down. I'm very down. Yes. Very, very down. Maybe we should. I don't know how germ can. I'm I'm imagining all sorts of things right now. This is super like germ-esque, but like COVID's not in the past. In the past. Who knows? Sure. Uh, I'm just saying we get uh, like one big wine glass Mm -hmm. and whoever has the wine glass is allowed to sell what they think. But it's all like the talking stick. But it's but the it's talking stick, glass. but they also have to drink at least uh, a good amount of it. They have to, there's like a a cap. You must drink this much before you hand it off to the next person. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Or while the person, uh, another point is that everyone has a very large wine glass, and while the person is proliferating and talking about, you have to be it, drinking the entire drink. time the person is making their point. <laughs> That's a great drinking and game. And you discuss after the person is done making their point. And then they drink. Exactly. And then while you debrief, you what, just, uh, what just transpired You're just happened. drunk after the first yeah, person just, is like, done. on the floor. The podcast is like nine hours long. We've all like blacked on. Um, yeah. No, that's, oh that's great. Uh, done. We'll make, it, we'll make it happen. Okay, soon. cool. Great. Cool. Love it. Well, thanks for your ideas. And thanks for uh, cool. your everything. Yeah. And um, uh, till next time. Au revoir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. I don't feel as hot anymore, but I'm going to wait on that. I, on the flip side, feel incredibly warm. Yeah.